Blog Talk Radio. You know what spreads faster than any virus? It's fear. Now when it comes to fear, you can either forget everything and run. I said, ah. Or you can face everything and rise. I believe. And let me tell you what I believe. I believe that. I believe we will face everything and rise.
It seems like he's transformed the program. He really has. But there's one lingering question that we will begin to have answered beginning Thursday night when Alabama-Birmingham comes to Hard Rock Stadium. Thursday night, we start to find out how all of that change will impact the product on the football field. So we're going to talk about all of that and more as we get you ready for the start of the 2020 season, believe it or not, with this new edition tonight of Kane Sport Live. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we welcome you once again to Canesport Live. As always, this is your show, and it'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3550. That's 563-999-3550. We have over 100 open phone lines, plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. If you're new to the show, you hit the number one on your keypad, and that puts you in the queue and lets us know that you would like to come on the show as a guest. Um, so you hit one on your keypad, and uh, we basically bring you on the show in the order that you land in the queue. We once again ask the subscribers at canesport.com to post the topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show, and we will address them tonight as we move forward. But I wanted to begin tonight's show with a little bit of discussion about the Miami depth chart that was released earlier this week. And um, not a ton of surprises on there. Uh, pretty much what we've been talking about and what we expected. Quarterback, De'Ara King, Nikozi Perry as his backup, and Tyler Van Dyke, number three. The guy that is conspicuously not on the depth chart is Tate Martell. And, you know, that's not a surprise, you, you know, to us. I don't know if it's a surprise to Tate, but um, obviously, you know, I think that his future is certainly in question. Will he stick it out for the full year? That remains to be seen. Um, but, I got to believe that this will be the last year that Tate Martell takes up a roster spot at Miami. At running back, Cameron Harris, no surprise there as well, took the number one running back position. And coaches took the easy way out at number two. They didn't want to pick between the two freshmen. So they put Don Chaney and Jalen Knighton as an oar line at number two with Robert Burns underneath them. My personal opinion is Knighton is probably a shade ahead of Cheney at this point, and I would expect him to be the first running back off the bench on Thursday night, but we'll see how that plays out. Wide receivers, there's three wide receiver positions on the team in the Rhett Lashley offense. Um, the starters, D. Wiggins, Mark Pope, and Mike Harley. Now, after that, I think there were you know, maybe a couple surprises. Um, Michael Redding, the freshman, is listed as the number two receiver beneath Wiggins on the depth chart. Um, Jeremiah Payton is right now considered the backup to Mark Pope. On the other side, and in, the, in the slot, to me, the biggest surprise of all on, on the entire depth chart was redshirt junior walk-on Marshall Few listed as the number two 
wide receiver. He actually might be on. They might have, Manny might have put him on scholarship. I'm going on memory on that one. Um, but I kind of thought Xavier Restrepo would be number two in the in, in the slot. So the, you know, to me at least, that was a little bit of a surprise. Um, the third teamers: Keyshawn Smith, Dazlin Worsham, but both freshmen. Um, so no no real surprise there. Um, I'm expecting Jeremiah Payton to start getting some significant playing time this year. Um, you know, I know he's listed number two behind Pope, but I do think he'll play a lot this year and start to show some things that everybody's been expecting of him since he showed out a little bit in, um, in last year's, you know, camp in the fall and then redshirted. But, uh, this should be the year we start to see a little bit from Jeremiah Payton at the tight end position. Brevin Jordan and Will Mallory were listed as the number one tight ends in a joint role. I think that's a statement of the kind of training camp that Will Mallory had. All you heard for the last month was how well he was doing. And I think the coaches rewarded him by giving him co-first team status. Uh, Listed behind those two is Larry Hodges. No real surprise there with Dom Mamorelli, the freshman, uh, listed as the fourth tight end. Okay, let, um, offensive line gets a little bit interesting. You know, let's start with the right side because I think that's where we're, we're most solid going into the season. Um, first team right tackle, no surprise, the Houston transfer, Jared Williams. The right guard, no surprise, DJ Scaife, a veteran now. And the center, Corey Gaynor, uh, also not a surprise. Another guy that's played a lot of football, and you can expect big things from him this year. Now, the backups. Um, I thought it was interesting that Chris Washington, a, a true freshman, was listed as the backup at right tackle. You know, remember, you got guys like Herbert, Hillary, that have been around the program that are on the roster that, you know, didn't really get a nod on this depth chart. I thought that was kind of interesting. Now, there's a chance that one of those guys could be suspended. You never know. But, um, you know, we can only go by what we see here on the depth chart. Cleveland Reed is going to back up Scaife at right guard. And Ja'Kai Clark, who started at guard last year, but really was recruited to play center, is going to back up Corey Gaynor at center. All right, now let's talk about the left side of the line, where, you know, I think the biggest questions need to be answered going into the season. Um, The starting left tackle job was won by John Campbell over Zion Nelson. Not really a surprise because I think the coaches were hoping that Campbell would be able to handle it, you know, considering Zion Nelson's struggles last year. I think it might be the biggest question mark amongst the starting lineup of the entire football team. Can John Campbell hold up at left tackle? Until he proves that he can, I don't think that any assumptions can be made there. Zion Nelson, you've seen the beauty shots coming out of the weight room, how he's bulked up and added a lot of strength in the offseason and should be able to be a quality backup as as he's needed going into the season. He did get that full year of experience, even though it was a struggle for him. He was a true freshman, obviously should not have been on the football field. Um, Left guard, a new name. A guy that you haven't heard a lot about, um, Ausman Traor, um, junior college transfer, didn't get eligible last year. So that's why he was on the sidelines and didn't get to play. Uh, just flat won this job. I mean, for lack of, you know, 
a better description. I mean, they, they tried Zion Nelson there a little bit. I mean, obviously Cleveland Reed potentially could have played there, but they felt that Treor was their best answer at left guard. Still has to be considered a question mark, you know, without a doubt, since there's no resume or track record there. And maybe another little bit of a surprise is that Jalen Rivers is listed as the backup at left guard. So that's your offensive line going into the season. Um, a lot to prove, no question about it. Um, definitely one of the wild cards of the football team. They must perform better than they did last year. That's an obvious statement, but also true. Um, Got to get better play out of the offensive line. All right, uh, going now through the defense. No surprise that Jalen Phillips is the first-team defensive end on one side, and Quincy Roche is the first-team defensive end on the other. Uh, no surprise that Jafari Harvey is listed as a backup to Phillips. Um, but it is kind of interesting to me that Cam Williams, a guy that you don't really know yet because he redshirted last year, is listed as a backup to Roche. And then they got the freshman Chance Williams behind him on that side. And then you've got Patrick Joyner, who's bounced around positions here early in his hurricane career, but he's still only a redshirt sophomore. Now they're trying him at defensive end. We'll see how that experiment goes as the, as the year goes on. And then a freshman, Quinton Williams, uh, made the fourth slot on the depth chart at defensive end. Defensive tackles, your starters are John Ford, Nesta Jade Silvera, no surprise there. Now, backups. I think Jordan Miller will be the first defensive tackle off the bench. But a guy that I'm interested in seeing what he can do this year is Jared Harrison Hunte, who is um, listed as the backup to John Ford. He will be in the rotation. And also Jalar Holly, another redshirt freshman who has flashed the times on the practice field. He should start getting some playing time Thursday night. Um, We'll see where things go for Jason Blissett Jr. Um, he's listed right now as the third team behind Silvera. And then freshman Elijah Roberts, who flashed here and there in fall camp, uh, earned a mention on the depth chart in the fourth slot at defensive tackle. Um, okay, at the striker position, uh, Gilbert Frierson and Keontra Smith are listed as co-starters there. You'll see a lot of both of them. Um, one of the bright surprises of fall camp is at middle linebacker where Bradley Jennings won the, the first team job. And the reason that this is significant is because Jennings is, is a thumper. He's a physical linebacker that if he can get the mental side of the game down, will allow Zach McLeod to play on the weak side. And uh, that's really where Zach needs to be. Zach is not a middle linebacker. And Bradley Jennings was able to beat out Sam Brooks, which I, you know, I thought was um, a good accomplishment for him. And um, the players believe in Bradley. Uh, you know, the last, the, our lasting memory is of the LSU game, you know, when he had that bust and LSU hit that big run and they blew the game open from there. Uh, that's our lasting memory. We haven't seen Bradley Jennings much since then. Um, like I said, the reviews from the players have been very, very good. And Bradley Jennings is going to get a chance to be the middle linebacker answer um, this season and allow Zach McLeod to stay outside. All right, uh, so Sam Brooks is backing up Jennings. And then um, a freshman who the coaches feel is showing some potential to maybe play a little bit this year, Corey Flagg is listed behind him. Um, 
at Zach McLeod's spot, Wayne Steed, coming off of injury, is listed as the backup. Freshman Avery Huff, who I know I was looking forward to seeing a little bit of here this season, and hopefully it still will evolve that way, is right now listed at the third-team spot. And then the freshman Tyreek Austin Cave is listed fourth at that linebacker spot. Your starting cornerbacks, Al Blades and DJ Ivey. Um, backups to Corey Couch and Christian Williams. Absolutely no surprises there. Um, behind them, very little. You got a couple true freshmen, Isaiah Dunson um, and Marcus Clark. And uh, I think cornerback, without question, is the other major question mark on this football team. I, you know, I, I think Ivy and, and Blades have to prove that they're frontline corners. I think the loss of Frey John Bandy is a big one. And, uh, you know, now you, you got to hope that Couch um, or Williams steps up and, and shows you that they are capable of, of, of being primetime players. And that obviously has not happened yet to this point. And they'll get that opportunity starting Thursday night. And then at safeties, no surprise, you're going to have a three-man rotation. Gervin Hall, uh, Bubba Bolden, and Amari Carter. Bubba Bolden capable of playing uh, both safety positions. Um, and then a freshman who's flashed on the practice field and maybe has earned some playing time is Brian Ballum. I think the coaches feel like they could throw him out there a little bit. And um, after that, you've got a couple other freshmen, Keyshawn Washington, Jalen Harrell. So uh, you've got three veteran safeties and a lot of inexperience behind them. We'll see what happens. Your punter is going to be Lou Headley. Your kicker is going to be Jose Borregales, as you know. And on the return teams, um, which you know a lot of people have been asking about, Mark Pope is going to get a lot of heavy lifting there. He's going to return punts and kickoffs. Uh, the backup punt returner is Gervin Hall. And um, the third punt returner is Xavier Restrepo. Uh, Cam Harris and Mike Harley and Jalen Knighton are going to join Pope on kick returns this year. And, um, you know, we'll see how that goes moving forward. All right, so that's a, a snapshot look at your depth chart. Uh, now let's go out to, to calls. The number is 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the number one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. We've got a wide open board. Tonight's another great night for some first-time callers to, to get on the show. But right now, let's go out to, to a familiar one who I recognize, and that's Mr. Everything 305 and the 786. Welcome back to Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How are you, buddy? Doing great. How are you doing this week? Uh, uh, a little challenged, but hey, what's new in life, right? Yeah, well, why are you challenged? It's football season. Yeah, yeah that's true. Let me go to my escape here. Uh, well, I wanted to, to touch upon some of the things that you mentioned or emphasized with the uh, the death chart. Um, you know, you look at cornerback, and I think it's such a misleading it's such a misleading death chart because really that's that's not the main defense we're going to play. Uh, our main defense we're going to have probably four and five defensive backs on the field at once. I mean, let's be honest. Um, the Corey Couch is going to be playing a nickel. He's won that spot. After that, your boundaries are going to be set with, with DJ and Al. And then we have our striker, uh, which at this stage is going to be a combination of two guys. One guy who mentally has really gotten a lot better, and the other guy who's always been good mentally. I think the, the game speed kind of like slowed him down a bit, um, and that was Keontra. 
or Gontra Smith. And I, I think I'm leaning more towards him as being more impactful this year than, than Gilbert. Uh, I think Gilbert just, just has a tendency, if you look at all of his uh, his snaps last year, he was the guy that was most often beat in the secondary. Uh, whether you look at the uh, the position as a secondary position or a linebacker position, well, he is exposed on the field a lot. And one of the things that you look at what he did in high school, he used to gamble a lot, and he does the same thing. It's just his nature uh, in, in tight spaces to take that those gambles. And that, I think that's that's what I see is that we, we don't have much depth there, and you've got some, a lot of inexperience, even though you've got two kids that have come up and played pretty well, had a pretty good uh, spring until COVID, and have, have had a good fall camp. But uh, those are major question marks in our defense. And when you look at the ability to get uh, our return at linebacker to put him back where he's most comfortable, and Zach going back to the weak side, you know, I think that's a mistake. Defensively speaking, uh, Sam Brooks creates so much. He anticipates well. The kid's always been a ball hawk. Uh, to have, I prefer to have him at the weak and Zach at middle does not like playing the middle because he's not a thumper. And when you look at the breakdown that Bradley and, and Mike Smith had years ago against LSU, uh, th- th- those are issues from the past. And it's not to, to take a slide at Bradley, but let's be honest, in terms of pass protection, uh, pass coverage, he's not the same player. Uh, so you're taking a guy with great speed and Zach to, 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 to defend the pass, and that's what we're going to face more than anything. So in, in certain instances, I, I see like there's some certain token uh, or, or, or just giving guys a spot on the depth chart based out of respect, based on what they have accomplished. Traditional that Manny does this. He did this with um, uh, with the kid from went to Colorado State, uh, Patchen. You know, you, you can't always do those kind of things. You've got to put the best guys out there. And I understand, you know, he's forgotten more than I'll ever know. And I, I get all those things, but you. There are certain patterns as a, as coaches that we are guilty of, and that's one that he's guilty of. So I, I am interested to see how that works out. On, so on so what are you saying? They, they, you, you're saying you think you think they try to keep too many guys happy? I, I think that's always been – not just guys happy, but guys who have busted their ass have been loyal to this program. And I think that's why I feel like even Marshall Few is getting that spot over Restrepo. Um, I haven't been to a practice, Gary. I, I just I can't during this, all this that we're going through. And my buddy, uh, who's very well connected, he hasn't been able to get to, to one either. But from what we've heard, that kid is the most impressive incoming receiver we have. And supposedly, he's the best one in terms of IQ. So that, to me, that, that to me demonstrates that there's a pattern that Manny is kind of guilty of. It. And, and some of us as coaches, I was guilty of it as well when I was coaching. You always want veterans or, or guys that have been part of the, uh, the program a little bit longer to have first dibs at times. If it's even, you go – if it's an even set or matchup, you go with the guy who's been there a little bit longer. And that's, that's, just, that's just natural. But what you're going to see on Thursday as the game goes on, and what I look at always first, I talk about defense first year. After watching Central Arkansas and watching how UAB defended them, um, you've got a corner and a linebacker and a defensive end that I'm going to tell you, they're going to, they're going to make a roster. They're going to make an NFL roster. I don't know how high that, that DB is going to be selected, but I see enough athleticism in, from that group 
that there's someone in the front line, there's someone in the middle, and there's someone at the end. So when you've got all three levels, a, 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 not just a decent player, but a good player, and a system that they're all very familiar with, because, I mean, they returned 10 of the 11 starters on defense, that concerns me. Uh, offensively, we're going in there trying to establish this new era. So we're going to be tested. That linebacker can play probably safety in the NFL. That kid's that athletic. And that corner can play safety or corner. And that defensive end, I don't think he'll be an outside linebacker, but he's athletic enough on the edge to give you some fits. So offensively, they're going to come at us really well. And offensively, I can't tell you what we're going to do because I haven't seen what we look like. But those are the concerns that I have, that I see, uh, based on our matchup coming up on Thursday. Well, you know, let's look at the offense for a minute. They, they had no spring practice. All they've really had, other than you know, work in regular practice, is two scrimmages where, you know, very little first-team versus first-team work was, you know, took place. And, you know, now it's time to line up and play a game. And I, I think, it, you know, it could take them a little bit to just get their, get their timing down, to relax. Um, I think that's going to be a really interesting subplot. I mean, they, you know, Vegas made the line 14 points for a reason. Um, and I, I think that these are some of the factors that they're looking at. To me, and we'll talk more about this next week, is, you know, and we'll be able to react to what the offense does Thursday night, which will help us. But when you go on the road to Louisville in week two, you're going to have to score some points to get out of there. And uh, so that'll be, you know, that'll be a, a running theme of next week's show. We'll, we'll be able to, you know, kind of talk about what we saw from the offense Thursday night. But I think it's really important that they come out of the gates, you know, strong and, and, and build some chemistry and rhythm and, you'll put a good showing out so that they go to Louisville with confidence. Well, I, I think they'll, they'll, they'll definitely go out there with some confidence if they're able to get some rhythm, Gary. And, and that's the question. Are they going to get rhythm? Are they going to have at least two or three consecutive possessions, maybe four, not that they're scoring, but that they're distributing the ball based on what the defense is giving them, okay, number one. And number two, once we get the ball in those locations, are the playmakers making plays? Because, you know, we could talk scheme, you know, from here to eternity, but it's what are you doing when you get your opportunities? Well, what, what do you mean by exactly playmakers? You know, you're using the word playmakers, which is fine, but I think well, all those guys at receiver have to prove, still have to prove they are playmakers. Well, I'm just going to base it on how they came in, exactly what they've proven with two very different systems that all were hinged upon poor pass protection. So not get, being able to have a quarterback that's consistent enough to get these guys the ball in those spots to be able to put pressure on the defense and then for them to make their plays. You know, when, you, when you've got more space, just, just four square yards, Gary, that gives me three different avenues to go to as, as, as compared to, three different avenues to go in the middle of the field. You know, I've got three avenues to go to as a stretch. And when you do that, that's one-on-one coverage with one guy. Those guys, unless they're playing on the zone behind it. So they've got to be able to take what the defense gives them and then attack. And I think you're going to need three or four drives of consistency there in a row for them to score or get high-scoring opportunities 
And that's going to be what you need to see going forward for the following week. Because I will say this, although UAB doesn't have the athletes Louisville does, scheme-wise, you're talking about two outstanding coaching staffs across the board on both sides of the ball. So do we need to be able to score points up in Louisville? No doubt about it. But if we don't get a rhythm this week, if we don't get some type of cohesion and consistency, I'm afraid it's going to take more than just two weeks. It might take three. So what we need to see this week is that flow. And once you have that flow, you gain confidence. And once Mark Pope hopefully, you know, is able to make a guy miss and shoot up the field and go score, now the mentality changes. Now the buy-in changes. Now – the system becomes your reality based on what you do on game day. And, Gary, that's the difference between winning consistency or being a mediocre team consistently. Yeah. So that'll be a subplot on Thursday night, no question. Can, can the offense come out of the gate efficient, you know, having not exactly been tested like you would like to? I mean, you can't get – Gary, you're not going to be able to get too upset if we've got some – you know, some false starts, if we've got a couple of holds. You know, those things, like you mentioned earlier, we didn't have the spring. So you're, you're going to obviously look at some kinks. But what scares me going into the following week, if you got a system and pretty much an entire offense coming back with Louisville, that, you know, they haven't, they haven't skipped a beat. If anything, the familiarity and the knowledge is so much greater this year in the second year of his system and the way they coach over there, I'm telling you, that's, that's a top-notch coaching staff, top to bottom. Uh, they have a major advantage. And not, and not just being a home team, but just based on familiarity, buy-in, and ownership. Those things are already established at Louisville. And we're under the gun here to show that on Thursday and to begin, you know, begin to believe and buy-in. And then the reality comes and then – Oh geez, this is what we're this this is what we're doing, and that can't have ownership can't happen until we have a really good day on, on Thursday offensively. I mean, I, I wish I was wrong, Gary, but I just don't think I am. No, I I totally agree with everything you're saying in that regard. So what else you got? I want to talk a little bit about recruiting. Um, I I've seen a couple of kids that are committed to us in the past two weeks make it clear that they will be enrolling early and with that in mind um, I get even more concerned believe it or not with how we're going to perform this year if we're able to win some games early I think you'll get more kids saying you know what I can get this done earlier I can graduate especially in Florida thanks to Florida virtual school you can be at a at a private school a charter school you can take you can be taking 13 classes right now and graduate early if you want, especially with COVID going on. So with this in mind, it's a great opportunity for us to take advantage, and hopefully our performance gives that extra boost and we get more kids. To, to have 12, 13, 14 of, the, of those kids come in in January, Gary, is such a major advantage. Well, that, what's going to be uh, interesting I'm really to this see more of it happen. What will be interesting this time around is not just kids coming in early in January, but how many of the guys on this year's team that, that were believed to 
be in their last year and leaving will decide to come back for another year. And that list, you know, it, it could, depending on how things go. I mean, obviously his number one option would be to go to the NFL, but I don't think you can rule out the Eric King coming back another year. If, if it doesn't look like, you know, he's going to get drafted, you know, he's probably not going to be an NFL quarterback. So they're going to, somebody's going to have to tell him that, yeah, we can draft you potentially as a receiver. Uh, and then it would make sense, if, you know, regardless of the rounds for him to go into the draft. But if that doesn't shake that way, you know, he could decide to come back. For, um, more than likely, Borgalis is going to go to the NFL. But, you know, you never know if, you know, so there's just there's going to be a lot of decisions in that regard after the season. And that'll yeah, be and just as interesting as, as freshmen coming in yeah. in January. No doubt that's going to impact your roster. And we need to see exactly how much the NC2A is going to allow you. Are you going to be allowed to have 100, 103 guys on scholarship if, if you want it uh, for the upcoming school year? They're going to have year. to do something. They, you know, you can't, you, you can't say all these guys can stay eligible and then not, not allow more than 85 because they know that there's a recruiting class coming in. So, you know, I, I right. think they're going to have to go to at least 105 or something. I, I, hope, this, I hope that that all falls for us. Uh, Gary, especially when you look at some of these kids, um, I mean, I would love to have Navon come back next year and get a full year with this offensive line coach. I think this is the best offensive line coach we've had, and I wouldn't mind. I would say he absolutely right will be back next year. I can't even imagine Navon being ready to go into the NFL this year. Well, you, you know how the local leeches are, Gary. You know the local leeches are all. Ah, but he's. Yeah, know? I know. I mean, and, we've and seen I know, it. I, I know. It's ridiculous. Uh, and the last thing, if I can, can you give us some type of um, some type of confirmation? How many guys got cut this past weekend from the NFL that are our guys, obviously, and have yet to be able to sign with anybody? I mean, I you know I, 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 I don't have an inventory on that. I apologize. I have not taken that inventory uh, to to see exactly who landed on practice squads and different things. Was Chad so I can't a five-star when he graduated? Was Chad, a, was Chad uh, a five-star coming out of uh, Booker T? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I just, so. I'm just hoping these five-star kids that we have coming in the future have better luck because so far every five-star kid we've had in the last, I think we're one for five in the last 15 years, and that was Duke who got his fifth star late at, very late after the state championship game, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But that's the only guy that's really panned out for us as a five star. Everybody else has been a disappointment, Gary. So hopefully uh, yeah. hopefully our guys continue to get developed correctly like they should. And, and one more thing. Did you see someone had Josh Job as a potential first round pick? <laughs> no, I did not see that. But I, I, I couldn't believe that when I saw it. I, I got I to gotta let Gary know this one. I, 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 yeah. I was befuddled, to say the least. My yep. friend, be well. Take care and go camp All right, everything. Thursday, baby. Thank, thanks for getting us started. My pleasure. All right, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the number one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. Um, like I said, plenty of room on the board. I see a lot of guys – in the in the queue but they haven't hit the one on their keypad i encourage you guys don't be shy come on the show tonight give us some different opinions and voices that we don't normally hear right now let's go out to the 954 you're live on Kane sport live gary how you doing 
Doing great. Who's this? This is Jay. Hey, while. what's up, Jay? There what you got go. for us? Uh, good. Oh, nothing. I just uh, actually listening. I hit the one pretty much by habit. Uh, I wanted to ask actually a couple recruiting questions. Uh, but first, I, I just wanted to talk about, um, you know, hopefully a, a positive outlook. And uh, see, I, I heard what you told everything about, you know, not having the time and and spring and you know hardly any scrimmages to basically work on stuff but if we're going to see a different team this year we have to just we have to see a team that's coming out and you know executing i mean that, that, that's what coaching comes down to you know we talked about all these guys leaving earlier getting cut or all lack of development this and that i mean supposedly we have a professional staff now you've got a guy that came in to simplify the offense kids run around get balls in the hands we have a quarterback who is an accurate passer Right, get the ball in their hands, make plays. So obviously, you got to get the excuses off the table. I mean, we're playing Alabama, Birmingham. I mean, this is a team that has no business being on the field with us. If we're being honest, you know. Well, and, um, you know, I would I would say that <laughs> I would agree with you, but exactly. I, but I, I have to say, slow down. I mean, you know, this this is a team. They they won nine games last year. They're a team that beat Louisiana Tech, which shut out Miami in the bowl game. So. You know they're a, they're a reputable team and they have a they have a lot of guys back. It's it, this is a veteran, this is an old roster. Okay, so they're dangerous. Now, should they be as good as Miami? Absolutely not. But FIU shouldn't have last year. Louisiana Tech shouldn't have last year. And I think I don't see where we can take any games for granted around here anymore, based on well, what's been ha- happening. And and I, and that's that's my point that I'm trying to make right now. That's the point. This isn't last year. And what, what, what good are all these hires? What good was bringing in a, a power five offensive coordinator to be a wide receivers coach over a guy who, in, in my opinion, wasn't a very good wide receivers coach? What good was it bringing in a hot shot offensive coordinator that runs, you know, a modern offense finally? What good was it bringing in a, a new offensive line coach over a guy who, you know, plain as day did not connect with the kids? That, that's the point I'm making. This isn't last year. You have a quarterback who – I mean, I'm not throwing Jaron. I mean, I'll say what it is. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's not rumors. I mean, it has happened. I mean, the, the kid lost the FIU game. You could tell watch on TV. The kid was behind the kite. I mean, the, the, he, there was something going on with him during that game. And, you know, we have a kid who wants to be a professional quarterback. You have a kid who's, you know, depending on the sports book you read, is a top four to seven Heisman Trophy pick, you know. So th- this is the time where this program has to move forward. And, and take the step and win the games they're supposed to win and win them convincingly, you know, scrimmages or not. Or, you know, UAB didn't have any spring practice. You know, they've had three weeks to get ready. So, yeah, I get that they're a veteran team. You know, they don't have two guys that are going to be professionals coming off the edge. You know, Jakari Harvey, by the sound of it, should be that same kind of dude. You know, you don't have guys – at tight end that are mismatches for anyone in the country. You put Brevin Jordan Mallory up against anyone. I mean, I'm talking about anyone you want at linebacker from Clemson for, or, or at safety from Clemson, from Ohio state, from Alabama. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd put Brevin Jordan against Pat Sertan. I bet you that's a 50, 50 matchup and Pat Sertan will be a top four pick. So, you know, the talent is there. <laughs> What's that? I'm just laughing, Jay. I mean, you know, I love everything you're saying, and I think that Thursday we will start to see if if, if all this is the case this year. But, 
you definitely are looking at it right now, you know, with orange and green colored glasses. I Not mean, at all. You, well, I'm what saying, you're saying, what you're saying applies in a normal world, no question. And 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 you're and what wait 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 what what you're saying is what should apply on Thursday night and beyond. Um, but I don't think we know. I mean, we're we're talking about a team coming off a three-game losing streak that lost some pretty damn good players after after last season. You know, Garvin, Bandy. Um, you know, now you don't have Rousseau. You know, I mean, you 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 know, you have a a, a roster that lost some key pieces that you're now re- replacing, and you're coming on off a three-game losing streak to FIU, Duke, and Louisiana Tech. So, yes, let's hope that we're sitting here a week from tonight. And we're saying, man, what Jay said last week on Kane Sport Live was was prophetic as hell. And you know, this is a different Miami team, and they they come out and they win this game by three or four touchdowns and take care of business and look good offensively because they're going to need to be, have some confidence offensively going to Louisville and all that. If it works out that way, it'll be awesome, and you'll be a prophet. But I I just don't I'm know not- that you can assume all these things. I'm not assuming it or trying to be a prophet. That's where you're misunderstanding me. What I'm saying is if that is not the case Thursday night, if we don't show that improvement offensively, specific, uh, offensively you know, to be specific, it, you know, and we're saying, oh, you know, we're, we're working out the kinks or this or that, then this program is no, in, in not much better shape than it was when we lost those three games in a row. And you don't bring in Rhett Lashley, Justice, or Rob Likens to just see a small improvement. And Derek King, you know, you don't go through every single hoop and motion you went through to just show a small improvement and say, oh, well, we lost three games in a row last year to scrub teams, and here we are now. I mean, if that's the case, then this is going to be the expectation going forward, and this program will never have that expectation. And I'm not trying to be prophetic or not. All I'm saying is if we see a team that comes out sloppy and then we hear the excuses after the game, you know, we won the game or it was just, you know, this is what we scored, yada, yada, you know, but we, we have to go back to work and we have to do this and that. And of course you're going to make mistakes. There's going to be mistakes. Game. But it, uh, overall with, the, with this team and who they're playing, I mean, we cannot say that, Oh, this is a team that lost three games in a row last year. And, and this is what you didn't bring in those guys to do that. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. I mean, I, you know what? what I, and I totally, that's what I'm trying to say. I, I totally agree with you, but let me ask you this. Is, is it fair to say the report card is the first week of the season? I don't know, I don't know if that's all. the case. Okay, good. Yeah, not then we agree all. on that then. Not at all. And I'm not expecting perfection. I'm not expecting King to have a 78% completion percentage and, you know, score 56 points in three quarters. That, that's not it. I, I want to see a crisp team that has a compete level, which obviously wasn't there late in the season last year. The compete level was garbage. And that was a lack of leadership, specifically at the quarterback position, which you rightfully, you know, pointed out multiple times during the season. You know, when you have two or three quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback, as this old saying goes. And that's about as classic a cliche as there is. That's true, you know. And you have a quarterback now. You have a kid that was highly sought after, you know, on the transfer market, who's had phenomenal experience. Yeah, albeit at the group of five level, but guess what? Those Houston teams used to beat some power five teams and granted it was like a Boise situation, you know, remember Boise back about 10 years ago, they always had that one power five game on the schedule and seemed to always win. Right. But, and that was the Super Bowl, And that was what Houston was off, you know, when Herman was there and then, um, you know, they'd beat Oklahoma. They were beating Florida state when, when, you know, Jimbo had Florida state rolling. So, you know, 
this kid came into that situation, and he's a winner. You know, he's a leader. I mean, I feel for the kid dearly. You know, with his dad passing away, you know, as, as he came to Miami, and you know, I I think here's a kid that's uber focused. Finally, we have a player at that position that that knows what it is to be a leader. That and that's who you're going to rely on. And, and I'll go to battle with a guy like that over the kids we had last year. Or the year before, and Malik was that Malik was focused. Malik just didn't have the talent, you know what I'm saying. And then, you know, Perry was hit or miss, and you have Jaron hit or miss because he, you know, supposedly beat out Nikozi last year. And then, you know, three games into the season, you know, Perry's engineering a 42 point freaking comeback against Virginia Tech. And then, you know, that seems to be where Nikozi's at his best off the bench, and, and and that's probably a pretty good role for him finally this year. But in my opinion, you have the leadership on offense. I've never had a worry in the world about the defense, but you have the leadership on offense from the coaching staff to the to the quarterback position. So what I'm trying to just say is if you don't see that improvement now, I'm not saying it's going to be perfect, but I, I'm just, I, that's going to make me skeptical of the season going forward. And is that going to be on Manny overall, or is that going to be on Lashley, or – you know that's what well. I think. I, I think yeah, I, and, and I agree with you. I don't want. I don't want you to think I don't agree with you. I, I'm just not sure that we're going to see it the first week of the season. And and well, I think it's not, a concern. I really do. I, I maybe I'm a worrywart, but I think it's a concern, especially when you have to go on the road to Louisville in week two. I agree, but is it fair to say that we should see a team compete their ass off for four quarters? Oh, you will. You'll see that. Good. Okay. And to see some yeah, you'll see execution, that. like, should we see a team that, you know, every, every other series or something we can, we can, you know, we can march 30, 40 yards. We can, we can open up a hole to gain eight or nine yards. You know I mean? It, it last year was seven, eight series in a row where, you know, we're, we're our core, our running backs getting stoned. And then finally we were able to bust a six or seven yarder. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. We got to have some, we just have to see execution to, you know, move the ball, move the ball a little bit. And I'm telling you, once that happens, the defense will get some confidence and, and, and then they'll have a different type of attitude on the field too. I mean, I, look, I played, I played the game. I talked to you and Larry Bluestein last year. You know, we, and I, I, we talked a lot about, you know, guys from the past who we played with and whatnot. And, you know, defense is on the field every fourth play. I mean, and it, it just, it gets exhausting and, and their morale, go, their morale goes down. And then, like I said, if they, if they know their quarterback's a, piece of work uh, uh, you know off the field and on the field and gives them an eye what the hell are we playing for so I feel like this yeah. year you got the commodity on the team you got a quarterback who cares I think it's going to be a trickle down effect that's how I see it and that's what I hope for that's not orange or green glasses or you know trying to be a prophet that's just saying how it is if we're going to improve we got we got to see it week one it's we might not see all of it week one but we got to see something that's well, I hope you're a prophet, and, then, and I hope ne- and I hope next week that we're talking about a, a, a really well-oiled, polished offensive, um, uh, sh- you know, showcase really on Thursday night. And I encourage you give us a call back next Tuesday night, and we'll readdress it and see where we're at offensively. I'll I'll be back. I'll come back. All right, Jay. You'll Thanks for the call, man. The- All right, yep. Bye. All right, guys, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550 is the number. Um, I'm going to go now to our managing editor, Matt Shodell, who's on the line and um, didn't want a Kane Sport Live to go by here um, two nights before the start of the season. Matt, without uh, getting your take on preseason camp and what you've seen and heard and, and what you're expecting Thursday night, you know, Jay, Jay – 
wants to see a, a well-oiled offensive machine out there um, on opening night and, you know, very astutely pointed out that the coaching staff's been upgraded and, and, and you know, De'Ara King has come in and a lot of very positive things have happened on that side of the ball. Is it realistic or not realistic for them to look great on Thursday night? Well, I mean, I'll use Rhett Lashley's words. He said there's going to be growing pains. I mean, he flat out said that to the media. And, everyone, you know, the media sort of ignored it, I guess. I was surprised it didn't get a little more play among fans. Um, you know, because usually everything is pie in the sky this time of year with coaches and all that. And, look, Rhett's in his first year. I don't know if he said this in his past stops, too. But that should give you some pause. You know, I mean, he's been watching this offense as closely as anybody on the staff. So for him to say a few days before the first game to expect, you know, that there probably will be some growing pains means he sees some signs that either some guys don't quite get it yet or maybe the timing's not quite there yet or whatever the case may be. Um, he's seeing something where he doesn't, you know, he's sort of that's a way for him to sort of let fans know like, hey, you know, things are going to be okay. But early in the year, the, I think he mentioned the first three or four games, um, you know, early in the year there's going to be some kinks to work out, which you have to expect. I mean, this is a – an entirely new offense, a brand new quarterback, a, a, a somewhat revamped offensive line in terms of guys moving to different spots, new starters, even though every starter's back. The fact is they have a new starter at left tackle, a new starter at right tackle. Um, DJ Scape is at guard where he played the tackle last year, which is actually good. Um, and Usman Trier is a first-time starter. So the only real starter who's returning to the same spot is Corey Gaynor. So every other offensive line position has a new guy at it. So, you know, there's going to be some issues there potentially. Um, you know, wide receiver, I mean, it's great to say, oh, yeah, Mark Pope's a former five-star, and D. Wiggins had a couple of huge games last year, and uh, Mike Harley's a veteran, you know, but those guys haven't really had any more than, you know, 500 yards in a, in a season receiving, so they're somewhat unproven. So there, there are definitely questions that need to be answered on offense, and on the defense, it's totally revamped. So, you know, it's, it's very easy to set your expectations super high, but as I think we said, you know, last time I was on Kingsport Live with you, or as I said, um, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Like every year, it seems like they're talking the talk. The new Miami has been the the, the the message last year. That didn't really work out so well. Um, you know, it just seems like every year what is expected, the team comes up short. And I can point to that being the case over the last decade plus every single year. Even the year they won 10 in a row to start the year, I mean, then they went, uh, you know, on a horrendous slide at the end of the year, losing those final three games in, 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 in brutal fashion. So, you know, again, I'll believe it when I see it. Do I want it to work out? Of course. It's, it's a lot more fun covering a team that's doing great than covering a team that's struggling. But I just would caution fans to expect, you know, a 52 to 7 or, or 45 to 14 blowout on Thursday night against a, a, a no-name quote-unquote, no-name UAB team that was resurrected, you know, less than a decade ago, but is not a bad team, might be a little too much to expect. So, you know, if, if Miami can, can win by two or three touchdowns, you know, show some good signs of, of things to come in terms of have some explosive plays, um, you know, some better offensive line play than we saw last year, that would be, to me, a success. I don't think, you know, I don't think they need to blow out UAB. I just want to see some signs that this is a team that has potential and, and the kind of potential where they're not going to get blown out by Clemson and can play with some of the better ACC teams and, and beat, you know, I'd say 80 or 90% of these ACC teams they're going to face this year. I think that would be, be a really good time. 
So the depth chart came out this week. I went over it at the beginning of the show. Did anything on there surprise you at all? I mean, there were some surprises. You know, I mean, the Nicosi Perry, we expected that, but I still think Tyler Van Dyke's the quarterback of the future when those two have to battle, at a, battle it out head-to-head. Um, no surprise with it receiver to me other than Xavier Restrepo being listed as third team behind a former walk-on Marshall Few. I don't think that's real. You know, sometimes they just sort of reward the older guy in redshirt junior Marshall Few, the team leader, great attitude, you know, sort of similar, similar to last year uh, with that special teams hero. Um, no surprise to me, a tight end. I mean, it's just Brevin Jordan or Will Mallory. I mean, that's just giving lip service to the fact that Will Mallory had a great camp. Brevin Jordan's obviously the starter and the star on the offense. Offensive line was as expected to me. That's what we predicted. Uh, maybe backup at left guard was a little bit of a surprise with Jalen Rivers, but I think if push comes to shove and I really need a backup left guard full-time, it's going to wind up being Ja'Kai Clark there, not Jalen Rivers. Um, yep, so, again, you know, even though they released this depth chart, it's like this sort of like – it's like a suggestion. It's like this is what's actually going to happen, you know. Um, same thing at right tackle. If, Chris, if Jared Williams gets hurt, Chris Washington will not be the guy in the game. They're going to put Zion Nelson at right tackle just because Zion's listed as the backup left tackle. It's not – really the way that fans should be looking at that. Um, you know, Zion's a backup at both tackle spots and probably also at left guard, honestly, um, de- depending on what happens um, at, at center, as I mentioned, with Ja'Kai Clark could be either of those guys at left guard. Um, defensive line, as expected. Uh, I was a little surprised Jared, Jared Harrison Hunt beat out Jalar Holly. I'd heard a lot of great stuff about Jalar. Coach explained it as saying Jared had the better week this past week. I think that's going to be back and forth every single week. Who's going to be the, the, the number four defensive tackle um, along, along with the returning guys, you know, John Ford obviously is back. Um, and, uh, and they got Nesta Silvera and Jordan Miller also returning there. Defensive ends was as expected. Um, striker, the Gil Farson or Keontre Smith, slightly surprising. I mean, I, you know, we've been saying that Keontre's been making a, you know, making a big push, so maybe not a total shock. Expected B.J. Jennings in the middle, that's not a surprise. And then the cornerback spot's no surprise. Amari Carter being listed as a co-starter of safety. Again, one of those lip service things. I expect Bubba Bolden and Gervin Hall to be the, be the main guys, but you don't want to, you know, upset one of the team leaders and a veteran who's, who's a pretty good safety as well. And the only the biggest surprise to me was the punt and kick returner, Mark Pope, because I really <laughs> thought that they were going to be Mike Harley at punt returner. I was very happy they didn't. And the reason I thought it was going to be Mike Harley at punt returner is because in the past, this team has been so fixated on, we want a guy who makes smart, smart decisions and will just catch the ball and, you know, fair catch when he has to, whatever, just someone who won't make any, like, try to, you know, be a Superman. And to me, Punt return and kick return, it's a guy who you want to be a Superman, you know. Are there going to be muffs once in a blue moon? Yeah, with that kind of guy. There there will be. But the, the reward is so much bigger. I mean, you know, the Devin Hester type deal. You know, the Mark Pope is more of a Devin Hester. He's not Devin Hester, but he's more of a Devin Hester than Mike Harley. So I was very happy to see that. You know, Pope's not like a guy you can really trust all the time, but he is a guy who will take risks, and I think he will have a few returns. Well, I shouldn't say a few. I, I would not be shocked if he has two to three returns between punt and kick for touchdowns. Wouldn't shock me. You know what, Matt? Enough's enough. It, it, it's time for Mark Pope. And, you know, whatever that's going to be, it, it's time for them to make Mark Pope a primary guy on this football team and see what he can do if he's turned loose. And putting him on special teams, on the return teams, is really a great way to do it. So I'm with you. I'm glad as hell that they carved out that role for Mark, and I'm excited to see if he can, you know, what what exactly he can do. Um, 
you know, with a, with an expanded role on the team. All right. So tell me this going into the season, biggest concern. Oh, biggest concern. Are you talking about position wise or big picture wise or everything wise? Everything wise. All right. Well, my biggest concern is that they go in the tank like they did last year. I mean, last year they out talented those last three teams. Like it wasn't even close and it was almost inexplicable the way they just gave up. And uh, that's got to be my number one concern because a lot of those guys are back. You know, they didn't graduate a ton of guys. A ton of guys didn't transfer. So, you know, Manny Diaz, you know, he always likes to say that, oh, the attitude's better every year, whatever, whatever, whatever. I mean, it's all lip service until you see it. But, like, if this team just has whatever was going on last year with too much, and hopefully there shouldn't be any partying, but with too much just extracurricular activities where they're not just focused on getting the job done and, and really taking this one game at a time and really focusing in and studying their film and holding each other accountable, stuff that was not happening from what I've heard last year, like it's going to be a disaster again. And, you, you know, and then if this season winds up in a disaster, you lose the recruiting class. You have all these fans calling for Manny Diaz's head again. The pressure's on Blake James. Like you can't have that again. And so obviously that's going to, that should be anybody's biggest concern for this program is that the season goes down and you lose the recruiting class and it's a disaster all over again. Because if you remember back in December, it was not pretty here, okay? Nope. And we're not it that far removed from December to where six or seven losses are not going to put you right back where you were in December, and that's going to be too uh, hard a situation to fix. And playing a tougher ACC schedule than they initially had, um, you know, a lot of room for concern, like I mentioned before, with just some things you don't know on the offensive line and a whole new system on offense and a, and a really tough schedule, uh, I think, uh, compared to what the original schedule was. You know, there's going to be five, six, maybe even seven games that could be neck and neck in the fourth quarter. And if you don't pull out, you know, 80% of those games, fans are going to be calling, you know, for bloody hell. You know? Yeah, then, it, then, it, then, so, yeah, then it's, not, it's not a good season if that happens. You know what? It's, it's like I, I think back to when a couple years back when this team went to Dallas to play LSU. And, you know, you remember they were, they were coming off a, a good 2017 season and they really, they really thought that they were going to be good. And um, it just went, it went, it didn't, it didn't go the way, the way they thought, like, you know, they, they, they felt like they were ready to, to, to be a contender and, 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 and be um, a relevant team in college football. And I remember that night how stunned the team was during that game as it started to get away from them. And it, there was almost like a, like, a, like a look, like the players looking at the coaches, like, man, you guys told us we were going to be good. What happened? You know, what's going on? Why are we, why are we so outclassed here, you know, in, in this game? And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of expectations for this year that, you know, because of the Eric King, that things will be better. And, and, and I really believe they will be. But at the same time, I understand what you're saying. And I also realize that you're talking about transfers, okay? De'Ara King, Quincy Roche, uh, Jared Williams, Jose Borregales. Just, just, just talk about those four guys, okay? And, and, and tell me that they're not on this football team right now. Four transfers. What, what kind of season are you, are you looking at here? Not a really good one. I mean, I, I think people are looking at Miami as a three or four win team if those transfers aren't on this team. So – this is still a roster that needs a lot of development and needs a lot of forward moves. And, and I think these transfers have given that roster an enormous amount of hope 
going into this season. And I personally think that this can be, you know, an eight, nine win team if, if, if things go well. But I'm not convinced that everything is as certain as maybe some people think it is. So, you know, before I let you go, let me put you on the spot. How many games does this, this team win this year? Oh, man. Well, I mean, I one of the fans on the Canesport message boards started a poll for how many wins. I put down nine. Um, you know, there's just, there's just there's, like I said, there's going to be games in the ACC that are going to come down to probably a final drive. And it's great that one of the transfers, Jose Borgalis, is on the team because if it's Miami's final drive and they're in the 30 to even 35-yard line of the other team and they're within two or three points, you know, they're going to either tie or win that game. But – there is just, there's just, you know, at, at Clemson concerns you, at Louisville, even against Florida State. I mean, those are three back-to-back-to-back games after UAB. Those are three very difficult games. I can't imagine them winning all three. I think winning two or three um, would be a huge success because they're not going to win at Clemson, I think most people would agree. So you win two of those three, great. Um, and then, you, again, you, you have other tough teams that are going to come up with the schedule. You play at Virginia Tech, you know. Um, you know, Pittsburgh won't be an North easy Carolina, out. It's going to be a tough game, too. Pittsburgh is. I yep. mean, literally, you could point to teams at the bottom of the ACC and say they're going to beat those teams easily, but they just lost to Georgia Tech last year. So I don't see a game on this schedule that I'm comfortable saying, oh, Miami's definitely going to win, including UAB, because we don't know that this team is 100% different than last year's team. Yes, Manny Diaz is saying that, but he said, this, he said last year he thought the team was going to be very, very good. So, again yeah. – we haven't watched fall practices in person as media members for obvious reasons. We're taking a lot of this, you know, on, on the word of coaches. We're going to learn a lot about the team Thursday night. I think, you know, I think next week at this time, we're going to have a lot better idea just what Miami has once we can see these guys. Even though UAB is not a great team in terms of talent-wise, you can sort of see, are the kids getting it? Are the kids buying in? Is there still this fake excitement where they're jumping on the sidelines, you know, at the coach's direction? Or are they actually excited? You know, there's no fans in the stands. So, like, how they act on the field on Thursday night and what you, how they play and if they, you know, are, are making selfish penalties or not and if they seem well coached, like, those are things you got to look for on Thursday night. And if you see that those things are coming up in the positive column, I think they're, they're going to – they could win more than nine games. If you see those come up like a little hit or miss, nine games is about right. If you see a, a lot of problems, you know, I would say six to eight wins. So, uh, you know, there's not a lot of, of breaks in here for Miami to improve this team because every week's going to be about facing the next opponent, facing the next opponent. There's no, there's no breaks where you're playing Bethune-Cookman and you can spend time just working on your team for two weeks. So uh, it's going to be a tough road if they don't look good on Thursday night. All right, Matt. Well, thanks for uh, taking the time to come on the show tonight, and uh, we'll see what happens Thursday. Of course, yep. I can't wait. Have a great night, yeah. All right, guys, 563-999-3550 is the number. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And now it's time for our point-counterpoint segment of the show presented tonight by the law office of Bruce E. Warner. And tonight, Bruce and I are going to be joined by a friend of the show. That's Bryant McKinney, who, as you know, was an elite offensive tackle for the Hurricanes in 2000 and 2001. And um, really no better guy than to give us a little bit of a debrief here on what the adjustments are going to be for the offensive line as they switch to the up-tempo spread offense of Rhett Lashley. Um, Bruce, Bryant, welcome back to Kane Sport Live. Hey, How are you doing? Doing so, great, uh, yeah, doing great, Brian. I, I called my buddy up, and he, uh, he came on the show, and I, I called him yesterday. I say, listen, you know what? 
everybody's talking about the offensive line. So let's get the uh, the expert on here. So Brian Tappy, he's joining us. And uh, I, let me ask you right off the bat, my friend. So Gary brought it up before, and a caller brought it up before. Other than Corey Gaynor, none of the other four guys have played this position on this team, and none of these five have played together in any one game. How much of a problem is that uh, for this game on Thursday, or is it not a problem because they practiced all summer? They practiced. I don't even feel like they had the whole summer, but whenever they got a chance to practice, when they practiced, as long as they made communication a big um, point for them because, like, last season, they didn't communicate well. Um, as offensive line or is with their running back or anything like that. And I could see it. I could see it. People were blocking and not looking sure who they had. And that just came to me from not being in your playbook too and not communicating. So now you're unsure. But um, well, I remember when Garen Justice first came, he had called me down to his office. We went and watched film for like two hours. He just showed me his style of, of coaching. And I actually like his style of coaching because it, it reminds you of like pretty much a pro style or, you know, similar with Coach Keel was teaching us there as well. And um, I'm just kind of a little, you know, mad that he didn't have the full amount of time because of COVID to spend with those guys. But um, from what I do hear, they are making progress. So if they're better, any better than what they were last year, that's, you know, a start. Well, it seems to me, and maybe Gary could interject, but it seems to me that these five guys – were pretty much penciled, penciled in, maybe not Trey or at left guard, but these other guys were pretty much penciled in where they're at, uh, including Jared Williams. So uh, I, I think that there's, they're, unlike last year where they were changing every five seconds who was playing where, they kind of knew that these were going to be the five guys and everybody else was fighting for backup spots. So that has to help. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, it definitely does help because if you just keep swinging everybody one week, you're left guard, one next week, you're at right tackle and all that stuff it just doesn't even give you consistency at practice. So just having a step five and know, you know, these are the step five, that gets you focused on that position. You know what I mean? I, they always say the more you can do, the more valuable you are. But still, once you know that I'm locked into this position, that helps you just kind of focus in on that. And as um, long as everybody stays healthy, that's always a plus too. Brian, so, you said uh, something just, that's okay, music, absolute, absolute music to my ears, and that's that you sat down with Coach Justice. And I, I got to tell you, everyone's asking me about Coach Justice, and you know, because of COVID and all that, we haven't really gotten a chance to know Coach Justice. So you're one right. of the few people I know that might actually be able to tell us something of, about this guy. Um, what, well, what did you see from him? What kind of coach is he? What well, do you think he's going to mean to the offensive he, line? Take the floor. The fact the fact that he reached out um, to me to even want me to come in and kind of even give my opinion or watch film and go over things, and he asked my thoughts on how to how we'll block things and stuff like that, showed me that he wanted to uh, do great at his job. So we sat down, we compared notes on, like, just different film that we watched, and he showed me, like, how he coaches. And then I was – and I, I agree with, like, a lot of things he showed me um, compared to the last O-line coach who – was making these tackles short set everything. Short step, when you short set something, that's like basically a three-step drop, you know, for a quarterback. But if you're making somebody short step a five- and a nine-step drop, you're trying to put that guy in a bad position. And that's what they were doing a lot. That's what they were taught a lot last season. So now he is, you know, more of the vertical set, which I'm a fan of, and I feel like it's more um, efficient. And then you short set on the three-step drops which now you can play with your sets, it, it becomes a little of a mind game now, you know what I mean, instead of you always giving these same sets every look. So uh, I feel like he's somebody who is coming in. He knows that that was a position that was kind of weak for um for the school, for the team. So um, 
he's looking to kind of build a name by trying to build those guys up. Now, so, um, what are there, are there splits any different with the line with this guy coaching, or is everything's going to be pretty much the same? Um, the splits, I can't remember what the splits were because it's been a moment since we actually were in office. But um, I would assume that he would give them reasonable splits, stuff like that. I can't remember exactly down to the splits. Well, let's hope we have some more running plays. I also think they're going to throw to the backs a lot more. There's going to be a lot of balls out of De'Ara King's hands a lot quicker. When I look at this, I see five or six receivers, three running backs, and two tight ends who are incredible that could absolutely make plays offensively. So I kind of agree with this prior call with this guy, Jay. I think we're going to be very difficult to stop. I don't know who you're going to stop, especially if they go two tight ends. Who's going to stop those guys? They're, you know, they're, they're big boys. So I think it's going to be exciting to watch. Right, and they must be in pretty good shape too, to go do this like pretty much no huddle offense type of thing, like you know fast paced offense. So that'll wear down defenses a lot too. So that could be a big factor, and they just have to take advantage. Like I did when we were in school, we took advantage of our weather condition here of it being so humid compared to where everybody's coming from. So that could be a factor too, and then maybe that's one of the reasons why they decided to go to this hurry up offense. But Brian, what about, what about the big? What about the bigs? You know, what about the bigs? You know, asking them to run an up-tempo offense is not a little deal. I mean, I mean, you know, you know no, offensive linemen. You would have said, no. <laughs> said no, right? Yeah. I mean, I definitely would have said no. You have me and Bernie Carey out there trying to run a no, uh, uh, hurry-up offense all game. Come on now, like, how effective do you think I'm going to be? I'm not sure, but um. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe those, I don't know if those guys are as big as uh, Vernon Carey and I either. But I guess, as far as like they must feel that they can do it, so we'll see how that works. And if they are successful, they'll be able to wear it on defenses. Well, Have the left tackle is, is yeah. He John Campbell's three hundred and ten pounds. Okay, um, Traor is three hundred and ten pounds. Gainer's three hundred pounds. Scaife is three fourteen, and Williams is three oh eight. So. Okay, These aren't little guys. Right. I mean, it may change during this season. They might try it out for the first, you know, two games and see how this works and then, you know, change it up because the hurry-up offense can be like – I mean, two-minute drill, I can mentally prepare for that, but for all game to be doing this, I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know what? It's well, going to really be interesting. They're, they're going to slow it down a little bit. They're not going to keep doing that if they're up 20, 25 points, I don't think. Right. I, I don't know, but it's going to get real interesting <laughs> if 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 uh, a, new, like a noon game on a Saturday or something, that's when it could really get interesting. Yeah. Well, yep, that, that could be. Um, but that's what I was saying. If the, it depends on when they're practicing, they should be in a condition, a better condition, especially if they're home in a new game like that, that they'll be kind of more conditioned for it where they, they can wear down the defense. So it may work in their favor because I feel like that's how we, you know, back when I was there, we practiced at 2 p.m. So that was like around the time we were playing the game. Like, So we were used to that heat. So hopefully those guys aren't practicing in the morning like they used to. All right, what about the running game? Because everybody keeps looking at King and Lashley, and I think they're fl- throwing the ball all over the place. But the reality is that Lashley last year I think was like 50-50 or even a little more 55-45 running the ball. We have three really good running backs. I know Gary's touched on Knighton since the day he got here. Uh, and I think uh, I think they're going to run the ball a lot better and 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 – than they have in the last few years. So what are your thoughts on these five guys in the running game? What do you see? 
they should want to run the ball more because that way you can wear down your opponent more in the run game so they're not able to attack you in the pass rush. So they should always want to run the ball. And that's that's how I always said, like, let me run at the person. So let's run the play to the left so I can run at him and try to start beating him up, you know, start slowing down his pass rush. So they should crave the run more because that also takes a lot more time off the clock too. So I would want to run the ball more. And then, you know, you set it up for opportunities to pass. Yeah, I think that's probably what they're going to do. But I also, again, I also think they're going to throw a lot of swing passes to the back to get them one-on-one with linebackers because I think Miami's loaded with speed at a variety at every position, including the tight end. Those guys can run. So, um, and I think the offensive line is is the critical part. We've all talked about that. I think since the day the season ended, people have been screaming about the offensive line. So hopefully Thursday night we'll get to see some of the improvements that Justice has done. And uh, I'm hoping for a big win. I'm real. I really am. Well, I am too, because the win will uh, kind of set a, a, a decent tempo for the season, and it still will show the guys, you know, room for improvement. But you do want to start off the season with a win, and um, and you're at home. Um, Brian, is missing spring practice? Is, is missing spring practice an issue? Is missing spring practice not having well, spring practice? Is, is that an issue? You, I. I, I I always thought that was an issue because of, you know, the COVID thing. So they didn't have spring practice. But that was giving uh, Coach Guerin time to get, be with those guys out on the field more and those guys being able to kind of gel with each other and pass off games and, and communicate. So it did take some time away. Um, so that's time that they could have that they didn't. So definitely because that's now less rep. But, I mean, hopefully they're able to really buckle in and focus in and really appreciate the football that they're able to play this season and really focus in on their jobs. Um, quickly, the Miami Heat are going to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're about to beat the Bucks. They're up seven with 40 seconds to go. How do you like that? Just as an right. aside. It's got nothing to do with Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I, think coming, is, I think this is a big year for, for the Canes. You know, last year everybody said, all right, Manny's going to be he's here. There was a lot of problems, and as Gary has said repeatedly, and I, 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 you know, followed along, he has made a 180-degree turn since last year. He's made pushed all the right buttons, made all the right moves. The only bad thing is Rousseau leaving, so it would be just a, a disaster if it doesn't continue on that pace with winning on Thursday and then playing Louisville beating Florida State, and then setting up two undefeated teams, Miami and Clemson. That's something that I think all the Canes fans want to see. It's about time. Oh, absolutely. And uh, that Florida State game is basically like my birthday weekend. My birthday is on the 23rd. That game is on the 26th, so I will be tuning in and ready to celebrate. So hopefully they come with a win. Well, hopefully too, and then we could celebrate afterwards. I'll exactly. call you. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, so I know you're doing another show or doing something coming up. So, um, But, Gary, any last words with this big guy here? No, Brian, as always, thanks so much for uh, coming on with us. Uh, love love your opinions and insight, and um, maybe we'll do it oh, again no as the season goes on. All right, cool. All, All right, right, Brian, that's Brian McKinney, uh, Bruce Warner. Thanks, guys, and uh, talk we'll, soon, uh, talk, we'll talk to you down the road. Yeah. All right, thanks. All right, that segment was presented by the Law Office of Brucey Warner, who's been practicing family law in Broward, Dade, and Palm Beach counties for the last 37 years. Bruce handles divorce and paternity cases, as well as modifications of timesharing and child support and alimony. If you have a family law need in South Florida, Bruce can be as tough and aggressive or as kind and caring as necessary. If you have family law needs, email talkingdivorce 
at AOL.com. That's talking divorce at AOL.com. Hopefully nobody out there is going to be getting divorced, but if you are, give Bruce a shout out at talking divorce at AOL.com. All right, let's get back to your calls. 563-999-3550 is the number. 563-999-3550. You hit the number one on your keypad if you would like to come on the show. Let's go out to the 973. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, Gary, Gary. Hey, what's up, Ross? How you doing this week? You ready for the season? Yeah, but also um, what I'm not ready for is to listen to a bunch of guys who are talking about, I would love to win, maybe if we win. This is nonsense talk. Listen to this, man. This is UAB. I know we did not look good last year. I came on your show last week and said we got to hang our hat on defense. And the coach is right. There's going to be some growing pain. Of course there is. But, again, UAB should not beat us offensively. So if we're not going to look good offensively, one thing we should look good, again, is defense. That goes on the head coach, who that's his responsibility inside of the ball. We should be dominant against them offensively. Let me stop you for a minute. I'm going to just make a couple comments about the two things you just said. My answer to your UAB is going to be FIU. I, I don't think this program, Ross, is at a place where it could take any opponent for granted. We almost lost to Central Michigan last year, too. I mentioned that earlier in the show. I you can't take them for granted. No, I'm just saying that there's no gimmies anymore right now. If, and, I, and I talked about this a minute ago also. Like, if we didn't have those four transfers that fortified this team, uh, you'd be sitting here hearing people say Miami might win what? four games this year. So this is not a built – this is not – this roster is not as built as we would like to think it is. And, you know, just the fact that you're taking in transfers and they're walking into superstar roles on the team, I think pretty much is a testament to that. And um, so I don't think we can take anything for granted. I do expect a, a, a big Canes victory on Thursday night, don't get me wrong, but I don't think we can take anything for granted anymore. Um, but, yeah, you know, a lot of the anti- – go ahead. The other thing you mentioned was the defense, and you know I agree with you that, that the defense should be a strength, but I'm going to tell you what I think is going to happen this year. I think the offense is going to be ahead of the defense. I mean, look at what you've taken off the defense, which was a good defense. It was not an elite defense. It was a good defense. You took out Shaq. You took out Pinckney. You took out Bandy. You took out Rousseau. You took out Garvin. I mean, think about that. That's five guys that were some of your best defensive players, and now you've got to, you know, try not to miss a beat with a a new crew of guys. And fortunate, you got the two transfers at end, which is a huge deal, and and very similar to what we talk about on offense, it it, it kind of fortifies things. But, yeah, there's still questions of defensive tackle. There's still questions of linebacker. There's still questions of cornerback. So, you know, I don't think anything could be assumed is what I'm trying to say, Ross. And, Gary, and what you're explaining about us losing guys on defense happens to teams every year. And what the Pittsburgh, the Virginia Techs, the, the Memphis, the, all these other teams do, they get coached up. We are Miami. We're recruiting guys that's different 
than most people anyway. I understand what you're saying. You're, make, you're making sense, but it's annoying to think that we're going to be worrying about UAB on the defensive side of the ball. Regardless, we're supposed to be plugging in guys. Now, if we're plugging in, plugging in guys and we're playing Florida State and, and better teams than UAB and we're struggling, I could almost understand that. But against UAB, what we want to do is look like an outfit again. Don't make stupid timeouts on offense. Like, you know, everybody's all over the place, so you've got to burn a timeout and then look out of, totally out of place on defense. There's no way we should look out of place on defense, Gary, no matter what you say, how many guys are we replacing. We're Miami, and we're playing UAB. If that's <laughs> Come on, Ross. Bad, no, 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 no. Yeah, this, this isn't 2001, we're Miami. But, this yeah, isn't the same. But, 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 but no, but I'm, I'm not saying that. What I I'm mean, do you, do you realize we've got to go to Louisville in, what, 10 days? I think Other we might need to score 35 to points to get out of there with a victory. Hey, 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 Gary, I just watched probably four college games this past weekend. And those are not excuses that's brought up. They plugged in guys, and they performed. That's what they did. But I want to get to a few other things. So that's nonsense talk about we're going to struggle defensively against UAB. That's nonsense talk. They shouldn't get past 13 points. All right. Now, Mark Pope. I kind of like that move because we've been waiting on this guy to bust out. We want to get the ball in uh, people's hands that could score the ball. Take it deep, get big-time touchdown, big-time returns. Even if he's not taking it to the house, he's at least getting eight to nine yards of pop on kick returns and punt returns. I want exciting guys. Yeah, you want a guy that you could trust, but plenty of times we had guys that we could trust and we got nothing out of it. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and if you notice, um, the guy that we had catching the ball on, on the punt return all last year, he just made – the team in Minnesota. So that's a, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Congratulations to him because he made the team in Minnesota. He, he's now their punt returner. I think he might be on their kickoff return team also. That's a big deal. Yes, he's a transfer from Buffalo, and he made our team better, but at the end of the day, he's still a king. Okay? Now, let's talk about a couple other positions. People are worried about oh, why we share in tight end positions. That position is going to number nine. That's this cosmetic that they're putting up there. That is Brevin Jordan, and that's, no, it's that not. goes to nine. Will, Will Mallory right. might have had the best fall camp on the team. He probably did, but when you talk about game time situations, game time situations, I know where the All American is at. And I'm not kicking. I'm not kicking on on Mallory. I think he should be part of the offense also. But when we talk about game time situations, big plays, big time plays made big time plays in big time games. It would be number nine, the All-American. Okay, I like what I, I, I like that. Another thing too, um, Brian McKinney, who I love and I, I respect him big time. I, I think he was a little off when he said he doesn't like he he, he didn't like the fact that it's going to be an up tempo. Here's the thing: you got to remember, Miami is not the only team who's invented the up tempo offense with big with big offensive linemen. Gary, let's 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 all wake up here. In South in South in South Florida, Ross, you know, it this, this is not a, this is also not to me a slam dunk that it's gonna that it you know when you take a noon game on a Saturday and you ask those big kids and you know to to try to do that for four quarters, you know, uh, we'll see. I Gary, mean, we've never there's, we're there's we're going into uncharted territory. Gary, there's no other teams who did this. 
Let me okay. Hey, did, didn't Louisville March? What other teams have done in year? South Florida? Didn't, in South didn't, Florida, didn't Louisville didn't Louisville march into our stadium last year when it was muggy and hot and had a good offensive um, display? Did they not? Yeah, but they didn't run at the pace that, that you're going to see Thursday night. I don't think. Yes, they did, Gary. I watched that game four times because I was upset with that game, and I'm mad that we didn't recruit that kid. So I watched the game already four times for the year, Gary. I did. They do run a fast-paced offense. Well, we'll, we'll see how so it goes. Offense, we'll see what happens if if we have a big game at noon on a Thursday night on a on a Saturday yeah, afternoon. I just don't like. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We don't know. We're yes, we're, we're just sit, we're sitting here speculating, Ross. I'm just yeah, like if I'm looking at the thing at the whole thing objectively, I'm looking at pluses and minuses, and I'm I'm trying to see where, what issues might come up as the year goes on, and and, and and you know so that I'm prepared for it as as an analyst, and you know we'll we'll see how it plays out. You, you might not like my comment what I'm gonna say right now, but I think we're gonna end up with faster and better and more executed um, linebackers. They might be a little. On the eight ball a little bit, a little raw, a little similac, a little similac, but they're going to be faster to the ball than what we just had. Number 56, Pinckney, respect. Gary, I hope a family member is not listening about number 55, but I'm glad he walked out the door because he was not getting to the ball. I love him. He started all four years, but he was not getting to the ball. One last thing. You, did you notice about, um, what you notice about the, um, the whole thing that they're using the whistle? On the field, that that whistle that the players have to hear. I hope that doesn't cost us in any way this year, even on Thursday. Cause that's I don't. I think they should go, they should do away with that. I haven't heard it, so I can't tell you what it sounds like. But it, they're using electronic whistles. That's not you know they're not they're not I, the referee the, the referees aren't blowing like they normally would. I watched five or six incidents on the field where the guys didn't even hear the, the the whistle and guys almost got hurt. One last thing to me, Gary. Can you answer this for me? Did we do? Are we doing anything special? Meaning, the team? Are they doing anything bubble wise? That's that's allowing us to um to not have not have not been casualties of any positive tests so far. Because I would hate for Thursday to show up and then something happened there. We're going to be missing some key guys. But did we do anything? Because it's been a great thing to see and to hear that we haven't been any gotten any positive tests. Well, do you know if they if they did anything special like a bubble of sort? Well, I think if you have practice in the morning and then you have the whole team go eat lunch together and it's only them mm-hmm. eating in the in the in the the meal room and then okay. you, you, you know you come back and maybe you have some rest periods or whatever or you know you you watch film, you have meetings, you know, during training camp, things like that. And then um you know then maybe the whole team eats dinner together. And then they go home at you know eight. Well, no, but what I'm saying is, if you if you're keeping them busy, Ross, if you're keeping them busy for twelve hours a day, you know, um, and and then you're telling them you guys, you know, you can't go out, you know, you got you guys got to be disciplined, uh, you know, our season's on the line here, uh, everybody, it's going to take all of us to to get this done, which I think is what happened, and you get everybody to buy in, then you can get through it without getting COVID. But it's, okay. I'm not minimizing it, especially now that students are back on campus and, you know, they've got girls running around and all these different things. I mean, That's yeah, I mean, it's certainly nothing to be like, minimized. I don't know if they're going to do anything, they're going to do anything bubble-wise. One last thing to me, Gary, um, over, under, over, under, and I'm not trying to make a big deal like he's a superstar, duper star, but I'm just saying, over, under, our quarterback this year, how many touchdowns does he score? Over, under. 
Oh, he's going to score. You mean you're talking about both running, running and passing? No, nah, talking about you, running. Get oh, running himself. Yes. Um, I'll say maybe seven, eight. Okay. Do they have that type of prop bet at the um in the gambling center? Because I don't use it. It's not really a, a game. Yeah, I don't know. Do they have those type of prop bets? I don't know. Okay. I, so I can't answer that. They'll be interested to know what type of. I think he might end up at least. 15, I think he might end up about twelve. Gary himself well, in the end zone. Well, he's not that big, so I don't know how much you're going to want a quarterback sneak on the goal line with him. So we'll see. I'm not talking about on the goal line. I'm talking about if he's on the 15 yard line, and if you if you don't get him on the first on the first turn, he might be able to get to the end zone. Is just what I'm saying. He's yep. that fast. I you got know? you. But Gary, listen, all right, Ross. Listen, let me get off. But no, wait, wait. Let me get off. But please, do, let me stop hearing all these nonsense talk. At least for this game about the Navy. Defensively, we hang our hat on defense in this game, and we should win. They should not get past 13 points. I might accept 17, but not past. I don't want. I don't want them to score 13. So let's get all right, it together, give us, guys. With this comment. Give us a call Tuesday, next hold. Tuesday, and we'll, we'll we'll see where we're at. Yeah, Gary. You have a good one. Man. All right, man. Great talking to you as always. Thanks, Ross. All right, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out now to the 845. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How you doing, Greg? Hey, what's up, Greg? You're late this week. Yeah, I wasn't going to call in until I was listening to some of this bull crap. But anyway... Um, uh oh. Let me wait. You, you, you and this guy, everything, talking up UAB. They'll, you know, I just looked it up. In the last four years, Miami has three recruiting classes in the top 13. UAB has zero in the top 100. And you're comparing these teams? Come on. <laughs> We're coming off a three-game losing streak to FIU, Duke, and Louisiana Tech. Okay, like what right do what right do any of us have to take anybody for granted? Gary, you 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 just Matt was the one he's worried about everything, and then he picks nine wins. So which way is it? Is he worried or is he not worried? Come on, nine wins and you're worried about everything? Stop. My bar is eight. I, I think eight's the number, personally, but we'll see. Okay, so you mean in the regular season, eight and three, is that yeah. what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Okay, he's calling nine and two then. Okay. All right, now, you went over the four transfers that we got, which are, all should be big contributors, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. How about Jalen Phillips? Did you bring him up? Did you bring up Bubba Baldwin only played, what, two games last year? How about him? How about Traore? He wasn't playing last year. Okay, so they Jabari Harvey, Jafari Harvey, whatever his name is. He didn't really play last year. So where are all these great players we missed? Trajan Bandy? He stunk last year, Gary. Still with your best cornerback. He was Still was your best he cornerback. Stunk. Okay, no, but he was he your wasn't. best cornerback. Al Blades was our best corner last year. Come on. And then you're talking about going up to Louisville. 
we're not going to play basketball. We're going to play football. We played this Satterfield, who you're raving about. We put 97 points up on them in two games, one at App State and one at Louisville. They don't know what defense is at Louisville, Gary. You know, if we fade like we did last year, then Manny should go immediately. Do you think if they do that again, he's going to survive? Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't think anything could happen this year that would result in a coaching change. Oh, so if we go three and eight, he, he's going to stick around. I don't, I, like I just said, I can't imagine anything happening this year that, that would result in a coaching change. Okay. All right. I'm going to give you, I'm going to hang up. I'm going to give you my predictions for the game this week. 42-14. And if I'm way off, I'll call and admit I was wrong next week. Take care. Thank you. Okay. And, and how many wins on the season, Greg? I'll go nine. I'll I'll say a minimum of nine. I'm going with Matt, except I'm not as worried as that. <laughs> All right, Greg. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the three, two, one. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Yes, yes. Can you hear me, Gary? Yes, we can. Who's this? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Who's this? Yes. This is Tony. Uh, this is Tony what's from uh, Melbourne. Hey, what's up, Tony? Welcome to the show. Hey, what you up, got man? for us? Yeah, man. Um, I just want to say it's definitely an honor to share the same airspace as Brian McKinney. That's my first thing I want to say. And um, yeah, look, he's, I he's a great, a great dude. He definitely is, man. He's a great cane. Um, I want to ask you a question. So this year, um, can the players keep their same eligibility? Like this year, basically doesn't count. Yes. <laughs> Uh, it's it's it, I know it sounds ama- it sounds amazing, but I, I you know I think the NCAA did the right thing by these kids. You know you got you know when you don't have a spring practice when you don't when you don't get to properly train um, for six seven eight months the way you normally would. I think the NCAA yeah. should give kids options, and 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 I give them big props for doing so. Yeah, definitely, hey, and it's definitely a pleasure to uh, follow. Uh, um, to follow who I just followed, I'm trying to sit here and remember his name, but I'm like on Greg. the spot right now. Greg, definitely Greg. I love Greg, man. I love Greg. <laughs> Greg just put it in there, man. I loved it. I loved what he just said. And um, I just want to say definitely since we get that extra year, let's just look at it this way. Like, De'Eric King is basically a junior this year at Miami because he can come back and play next year. You know what I mean? We're going to have the same team. It's basically like a blessing in disguise when you're University of Miami. Exactly. Here's what I think on the on the Eric. You know, his game plan is to be here one year. There's no question about it. Um, but if he gets through this year, and he's told that you do not have an NFL future, then he's got a decision to make. You know, what are his educational goals? You know, maybe he can get a free graduate education on the University Definitely. of Miami if, if he comes back. You know, things like that. So it's going to all depend on what the NFL tells him after this year. Yeah, that's true. And if he has an excellent year, which I think, you know what I mean? If you look at it like we had some great games, not great games, but we had some good games at quarterback last year against some subpar good, you know what I mean? Like not great teams, but, you know, I would say at least that he's an upgrade from what we've had 
at the University of Miami at quarterback the last couple years at least. You know, um, I'm not going to sit here and toot the dude's horn like he's going to be the next great thing, but I just feel like, honestly, he's an upgrade. And um, I feel like since we get this extra year eligibility for everybody, it's exactly what Miami has needed. You have preached for, like, the longest time mm-hmm. that we yep. need more yep. redshirt years for our players. And this is got to get older. Yeah, I have. I've been preaching that for years. Yes, you have. you're so I've correct. You're so correct. You for years, bro. <laughs> you're you're right, man. And Team's got to get older, and this, and this is a way for it to happen. You're absolutely right. You hit hit it right on the head. Absolutely, and like about the season, like I think honestly we'll have a good season. Like it's not like we're out here playing a SEC schedule. I think Manny needs to do his job. I think this year we're going to see if he's improved. It coaching wise, because let's be honest, he's still a young head coach, you know. So we need to see the improvement from Manny first of all. You know, um, our defense, our defensive guys have been in our system for years, at least a couple years. So I think on defense, it it we won't drop off too far. But you know, it, it remains to be seen. But I definitely want to just make the point that it's the perfect storm with these red shirt, with a basically a red shirt playing year. And who knows what we can do, you know what I mean? So I hope we have a good season, keep our recruiting class. And, you know, I hope we get back to me actually being able to go to a game and tailgate too. And, you know, I'm 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 looking forward to it, you know. So I'm out. Let's beat this COVID mess and let's have a good season while I last. All right, Tony, thanks for calling in, man. Give us a call next week. Let's go to the 706. You're on Kane Sport Live. 706, you with us? Yeah, I'm, I'm here, Gary. How you doing? This is Sebastian. I'm, I'm, hey, I'm what's up, Sebastian? Nothing much, Gary. A good show. I'm glad you had Brian McKinney on there and learned a lot from him uh, tonight. Could you talk to me about the linebackers? What are you hearing from the linebackers? We got Bradley Jennings. Looks like he's going to start, so I'm kind of interested in that. Well, the the, the he, yeah, Bradley Jennings has uh, stepped up in camp, and I you know I I think it's a Huge development for the defense. It's a huge development for Zach McLeod. Zach McLeod's not a middle linebacker. You know that's not the right role for him. And and Bradley Jennings um, giving the coaches a, a, a trust in him that they can put him out there at that position allows them to play uh, McLeod on the weak side. So I, I thought that was a really really big deal. Um, I think they're going to need more. You know I think Sam Brooks is going to have to step up. I want to see Avery Huff step up and, and become a guy that they can put on the court and, 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 and be part of the game, put on, not the court, the field. But, um, but I think that one of the biggest developments of fall camp without question was Bradley Jennings taking a step forward and earning a starting job. I was happy to see that. I was worried about his career at Miami and wondering what he's really going to have one in. I'm really excited to see how he's going to play. Uh, I, I want to see how he's how he's going to turn out. What do you, Garrett? What do you think the biggest? Uh, where do you see the biggest opportunities for our team? Uh, tell me what you mean by opportunity. When you say our opportunities or whatnot in relations to, you know, just our overall team, like where we could take a step forward, like, like this year we're hoping to see big improvements along the offensive line. I, I think. You know, probably another place you want to see some big improvements is probably at the quarterback position. So things like that, where do you see our biggest opportunities for this team compared to last year? 
I'll, I'll be honest with you, Sebastian. I, I mean, I'm not trying to dodge your question, but I would say everywhere. Um, you know, at quarterback, this program has not had a um, difference maker at that position, um, a guy that you can build around like the Eric King for, for many, many years. So I think, you know, that that's a big deal. Um, at running back, we don't know the cam can can be a dude the way Portis or Gore um, or um, McGahee or those guys were, were way back. I don't think he's at that level as a player, but I think his role is at that level on this football team. And, um, you know, you got two freshmen behind him, you know, can he be that dude? You know, I, you know, I think, you know, you talked about the offensive line without question, that's an area where, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to, to get better for sure. Um, you know, we feel pretty good about the two tight ends, but, you know, wide receiver, like right now, I would say we, until somebody steps up that we, we just have, we have bodies at receiver, um, you know, guys that have just kind of had okay seasons the, the first few years that they were in the program, Wiggins, Pope, um, even Mike Harley, um, you know, a kid I love, I mean, you know, he, where where's the the high NFL draft pick in that group or you know what I'm saying I I think that there's a lot of forward progress that can be made at at that position um you go to the defense uh we feel pretty good about the the transfer defensive ends no argument but you know Jalen Phillips hasn't played football in a in a couple years so you know we'll see how quickly he can get it going here and can he stay healthy um Quincy Roche has to take a step up to a higher level of football than what I think he experienced at Temple. Um, you know, it, it's not that big of a step up, but I think, you know, week in, week, in, week out, um, I think the Miami schedule this year will probably be a little higher grade than what he had for a full season at Temple. Uh, I, you know, who are the, what's happening at defensive tackle? You know, right now we know that John Ford and Nesta Silvera are starting. What kind of players are they going to be? Are they going to be able to impact the game? Are they going to hold up when teams are running it up the middle on us and trying to take exploit the fact that we have inexperience at linebacker now in the middle? Um, if you're going to attack Miami defense, you're looking at what's going on. You're saying, we're going right up the middle on these guys, and we're going to play power football and see what they got. Um, you know, what are those guys going to look like? What are the guys, the young kids behind them, what are they going to look like? We don't have a clue. Uh, um, you know, cornerback, cornerback. Uh, we can talk in whatever glowing terms we want about DJ Ivy and Al Blades. I don't think either one of those are established front line, um, you know, shut down cornerbacks that are proven. I mean, they'll have an opportunity. Use the word opportunity. They'll have an opportunity to be that this year, but we don't know going into the season that they're really going to be that. I, you know, obviously we feel pretty good about the safeties because we like Bubba Bolden and uh, Hall and Carter. They they have experience. They played quite a bit. Uh, so we're thinking that that position could be pretty darn good this year. But there's opportunity up and down the roster, pretty much everywhere, to be better and, and to and to prove things to us as fans out here, you know, in the Canes nation. So, um, yeah, that's why I'm, I'm not looking to dodge your question. I would say everywhere. No, I think that was a great, great rundown because what I was looking at, what I'm looking for this year is that we just, we just put a better product on the field. I just want us to put a better product on the field. And I want to see improved coaching throughout the game. Like we know how to make adjustments 
if we get down at the half, we know how to make adjustments in the second half and win ball games. That's what I'm looking for. For I'm really excited about this Thursday. It can go either way. I'm kind of like anxious and anxious and excited that season's going to get on the way, and we'll see. We'll see how they do. Um, well, I think your expectations I, are very are very fair. I think that, that I think as 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 a fan, what you're expecting to see is 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 extremely fair. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. Hey, my last question, man. You can keep me on hold. I'm worried about the cornerback recruiting. It seems like every single year that becomes an adventure. I don't know if you got anything new on that particular front, but I just think we need to. What I'm seeing that we're recruiting, it looks like we need a little bit more. Uh, we, we, it, needs, it needs to get a little bit more aggressive. It needs to be a little bit more better. You know, I don't disagree with you. And I think that sometimes, and and it's, it's this a tough recruiting year. I mean, no one's been able to visit, you know, so you've kind of been restrict, restricted to recruiting kids from South Florida and, and that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like what we're seeing at safety with Cam Kinchins and James Williams. Uh, I agree with you. I, I would like to see a little bit better myself at cornerback. I just don't know if it's going to happen um, this this year or not. I, you know, it's hard to it's hard to say. We're gonna do it. Well, you're having a great show so far, man. Just keep me on home. I'm excited. I think this year all comes down to us playing as a team, executing, and sound coaching. That's what I'm looking for. Sound coaching. And, uh, then, then we can just kind of go from there. And I think we can win every game this year, but I also think we can lose every game this year. So those are just my sentiments. Keep me on hold. Let me, tell, let me know your thoughts on that. Over. You, you got it, man. Thank you for being part of the show. Give us a call next week. All right, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go now to the 727. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. It's Jake from St. Pete. How you doing? Hey, what's up, Jake? How you doing this week? Doing great. Going to go to Ready for my some football? Uh, first game at Hard Rock Stadium. So, Are you really? <laughs> Thursday night? Yeah, yeah. 30. 30 years of Canes fan, and, uh, yep, that'll be my uh, first game. So it'll be interesting. Really? How'd you pick (laughs) this one to be your first? So, um, well, you know, I grew up in Chicago, uh, lived in Dallas for a while, so I I used to travel to them. I actually lived in Miami for about four years. Uh, I started rooting for the Canes as a protest to Notre Dame growing up in Chicago. So uh, (laughs) in the 80s. You know, as a kid, uh, everyone rooted for Notre Dame. So I, uh, I wasn't Irish and I wasn't Catholic. So I, uh, I rooted against them. But uh, <laughs> and Miami was the uh, the antithesis, and I've stuck with them ever since. Loved every minute of it. But uh, I lived in I lived in Miami for about four years in the early 2000s. Went to uh, a couple of games over at the Orange Bowl. But yep, I've never been to uh, Hard Rock Stadium before. So. I'm uh, looking forward to it. It'll be uh, it's going to be interesting. Well, I'll be interested so, to hear how you enjoy it next week. You know, make sure you call in next week and give us a report. I, I th- oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm uh, I'm pumped up about it. I, I think I'm going to give your uh, Sicilian oven a whirl too. Try to oh, well, there you see, go. Uh, see how they're doing with it. <laughs> it's, uh, um, so anyway, uh, all that aside, um, 
You know, I, I've been just thinking it over this week, and I, I can't help but think. I know everyone talks about the Eric King and the offense, the offensive line, everything like this. I personally think our season hinges upon Jalen Phillips. And if if I'm saying that the Greg Rousseau was a huge loss, because I think if Phillips is coming off the bench, I, I think he could be a dynamo, and you're – you're looking at, uh, you know, you could even bump Rousseau. He played plenty of D-tackle last year. So, I mean, you're talking a front of uh, Phillips, Roche, Silvera, and Rousseau on passing downs. That's monster. I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a nasty defensive line. But taking Rousseau out of that equation, you know, you, you're – Roche to me, I, I mean, you know, look, he, he's got the upside. I, I don't think he's a first-round pick uh, on his on his high his upside, but – could he be a second or third round pick if he's, uh, you know, lights out? Sure. But if Phillips doesn't perform, I think you're able to take Roche out of the game a little bit and, you know, kind of neutralize him. And at that point, you know, we're looking at unproven defensive tackles. And, you know, to me, this whole thing uh, defensively, that, that hinges on the D line. Um, you know, I think the secondaries are. Uh, I'm actually going to be contrarian. I think they're going to be rock solid this year. But, Mm -hmm. you know, having a stout defensive line only helps contribute to that. And we're talking, you know, (laughs) I'll be the first to admit, I think he could be, you know, I mean, you saw, I'm sure you saw that photo of those guys in the, in in the weight room there. And I mean, Jesus, that kid is a, a freak, but, yeah, and Harvey too. I mean, he, he looks—he reminds me. It looks like Khalil Mack. Uh, I'm a Bears fan, and <laughs> photos of him from training camp. He looks like Khalil Mack with those six-pack abs and everything. But uh, you know, the—I uh, think the season hinges on that on on Phillips really, because if he has a lights-out year, I think our, our defense could be pretty damn good this year but if not you know that that could be a huge weakness from what was previously a huge strength i was curious what your take is on that i yeah, that's an interesting you know i hadn't really looked at it like that but listen i mean that's one of the guys that you're hoping is going to be one of the stalwarts on defense so you could certainly make that argument so, you know, I, I hadn't i hadn't personally looked at it from that point of view but now that i'm hearing you say it I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dispute that. I mean, he, he very easily could be the key for the defense. Yeah. I mean, I actually believe it. I, I feel very confident with the, the offense. Uh, cause, you know, we, we got guys who are fast. I think Lashley's going to figure out how to make a move fast and, uh, you know, they can start putting that together. I think they're solid, but the defense, uh, that, that line just when we're so defected, that got uh, that got real dicey to me all of a sudden, and I mean, I, I hope I mean because recruiting wise too. Could you imagine that if uh, you know, let's say Phillips plays Rousseau style football, you could have two Miami defensive ends in the first round, and uh, Rouche following uh, not too far behind. I think that's got to be uh, you know pretty good in the recruiting circles. Uh, you know, when you're talking about Miami doesn't put guys high in the first round. So we'll see what happens. So yeah, you know, if I, you're I also, playing, if you're playing oh, Miami, you know about Roche. 
you yeah. know, you know about him from what he did at Temple. So you're game planning for that, right? But yeah, you don't really know up, much yeah. about Phillips. And, yeah. and that's why if teams are gearing up to slow down Roche, Phillips could get into a lot of one-on-one situations and have opportunities to really impact the game. So, yeah, I mean, the more I'm thinking about what you're saying, the, the, the more, the more I'm, I'm, I'm buying into it, you know? Well, and that, that could go either way, too. Like, if he's not that good, then I think we're in big trouble. I mean, maybe Harvey yeah. can, can jump into that role, but if, you know, if he isn't that high-caliber guy we think he is, I think that's where we're in trouble this season. Well, athletically uh, he is. Athletically he absolutely is a high-caliber high, high guy. the flip side – if he is that, that freak athlete like Rousseau was, and he can, you know, I mean, maybe he's not, you know, 15 sacks is a tall order uh, for a guy who hasn't played football in two years. But, you know, if he could get 10, 12, I think our defense is going to be uh, pretty lights out this season. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to uh, – flipping gears, uh, you know, kind of kind of parlaying into what some of the other guys are saying. You know, Greg, uh, I, I love his calls every week. He's funny. But uh, um, he, he, he's been, like, ornery lately. I don't, I don't know what the, I don't know what's up with him. Well, well so I, I'm going to – I'll get a little ornery with you on the uh, the talent level that you talk about. Uh, you know, because mm-hmm. you, you always talk about Miami. Miami doesn't have the talent. Miami doesn't have the talent. Elite, right. elite, elite talent. I didn't say talent. Well, I said, I, I said, I said elite so, talent. Like guys that are going to be first I, I and second round draft picks. I called the message board the other week. Um, okay. Clemson in the last five years has three more players than Miami in the NFL. Now I'm going to give you the first round because I know you'll you'll say that, and I'll give that to you any day of the week. But you go beyond that. The next highest team. Other than Miami, Miami has 20, uh, 26, Clemson has 29, and um, the next highest team is FSU with 16. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you're talking Duke, uh, who we lost to last year. They've put two players in the NFL in the last five years. Georgia mm-hmm. Tech has put, like, I think three or four. So, so, so your point is the, the coaching has been a total horror show. No, no, not at all. Uh, I think we shoot ourselves in the foot every single year with Trajan Bandy going to uh practice squad on, on Pittsburgh. You know, last year he was, he was out of position. He was playing the perimeter most of the season uh, because he had blades and Ivy kind of flip flopping on the other side. If you put Bandy back in the nickel this year with blades and Ivy with an extra year under the belt, I think that secondary is solid as a rock this year. I, I, I got no problems with it going into the season. Now you're talking about some unproven kid with couch. There's some things we've seen, you know, or heard that we like about it. But you went from an absolute strength to a complete question mark. How many other uh, – DJ Dallas, you know, Travis Etienne could uh, stick around for another year to see uh, what more he can prove. DJ Dallas is jumping out to the NFL John Garvin, Joe Jackson, Chad Thomas, R.J. McIntosh. I mean, you know, just boom, boom, boom. Every single year we shoot ourselves in the foot. We got these six and seven, you know, and look, you know, Shaq, uh, you know, you're not necessarily going to improve your, your standing. So, you know, I, I get to a degree that, that, you know, hey, go chase the money. But, uh, you know, John Garvin, uh, if he actually put his nose to the grindstone for another year, 
You don't think he could have been a third-round pick? He's 6'4", 260. I, I look at, at John Garvin's career, and I just think it's so typical of what's been wrong here. Uh, he didn't play a lick last year. I, I'm telling you, he mailed the whole season in. Yeah, he, he barely even put an effort in the whole year. That's why, you know, yeah. uh, even Trayvon Hill didn't try all that hard from what I saw, you know, last season. And so, you know, Rousseau, and, that, and that's why, you know, Patchen got as much run as he did last year. Because uh, you said at least, hey, this is a guy who's putting some effort in, you know, playing against the run. And, uh, you know, but, but, that's, but that's Miami for the last 10, 15 years. To yep. me, you know, there, there was a guy on the board uh, earlier this week who he, he was pissing and moaning about how, oh, we don't have these stud freshmen and sophomores playing. I'm like, good, finally. It, 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 what do you think? What's the last uh, uh, college football playoff team that's got 10 starters who are freshmen and sophomores? Yeah, I, I think not. the greatest thing about what I see going into this season is that we're not relying on the freshmen. Oh, it's, it, I'm thrilled about it. I, you know, I don't know. Who knows? You know, one of the frustrating things about this team is I think you could make every legitimate argument for this team going 11-0 and 0, as you could for us going 2-9. and 9. Um, it's, it's infuriating because you just, it's so up in the air, but well, it's, it's, especially if the Eric King doesn't stay healthy. Well, but if he does and he goes lights out, I mean, you know, look, uh, everyone, everyone's head over heels in love with Clemson, but when Justin Ross went down, uh, frankly, our wide receiver core is more proven than Clemson's is. So, you know, it's well, – I don't uh, know about that. They, 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 they got some guys yeah, on the bench that are pretty good. The kid from South Dade. Well, pretty good with stars. Uh, Mark, Mark Pope's pretty good with stars too. You yeah, know? you're right. Good point. Uh, good point. We, we, they got to <laughs> prove it. You're right. You know, so it's uh, – who knows? Uh, you know, but, but that's why, like, you know, just these, these – Early departures, you know, if Bandy's on the team, if Rousseau's on the team, uh, you know, whoever else, uh, you know, game on, where it's like, you know, those those cause deficiencies. We're now we're we're behind. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it that we're behind. I wanted to get your take on on this thought. My actually going into the season, my biggest fear is that we have a lights-out season. Uh, let's not say 11-0. and 0. That, That's getting a little crazy talk. Let's say we go 10-1. and 1. one of the big problems I think we have is do we go back to stupid old Miami where, uh, you know, Gervin Hall and Bubba Bolden and, and Will Mallory, uh, you know, you name it, jump ship for the NFL to get, you know, fifth round, seventh round, all that. You look, you know, our, our team, when I was talking about calling, calling you out on, uh, on we have a talent deficiency, our, our team's practically entirely four- and five-star guys or, or very high-end transfers. You know, Roche, he's a four-star, five-star transfer. Uh, same thing, King. Uh, you know, Jared Williams is, a, is probably the best tackle transfer. So you you look at everyone who's who's hitting the field other than at linebacker, these are all, you know, high end talent kids. Yeah, maybe not the elites of the elites, but these are all high end talent. One of my fears is, is that, you know, this season just being as weird as it is, we come out ten wins and next thing we know, you know, next year we got ten, twelve guys 
hopping over to the NFL, and we're just right back square one. No quarterback. Lost all our depth, all our quality. Can we can, and, can, you know, can I mean, we can we worry can we worry about that in three months? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, let, no, let's let's see let's see these guys have great seasons first. Let's let's no, let's 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 have this conversation in, in December. Let's have it's this conversation in December. Let's do that in, in guys December. Come out and uh, you know they they put a few good games. I mean, you think about it. I know, but we day, don't. We, but so, seriously, we don't. We don't need to worry about that tonight. That 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 is so yeah. far away from our concern tonight. Um, you know, let's worry about that in a few months. All right, let me let some other guys get on here. Um, yeah, great yeah, talking yeah, to you. Give us a call week. next Tuesday. Yep. Let's go right, to the um, let's go to the three oh five. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey Gary, how are you this evening? Who's Mikester? Adam. No, or, or is it Adam? Adam. Adam. Hey, what's up, man? I, 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 you guys yeah, have similar sorry, voices, was, so. Uh, yeah, I was late coming on to the show. I was watching the Heat game tonight. So what's going on? What you got for us? A couple questions. One, um, do you think that um, Al Blades can make a similar jump from his sophomore to junior year that Michael Jackson did? Because aren't they like the same length, quasi? Like they were both around six one. Same with DJ Ivy. Because Michael Jackson from his sophomore to junior year was like night and day. I, I think that's what we have to hope. You know, I don't want to predict that because I don't have 100% conviction on that. But uh, I think that's what we have to hope happens. Okay. Um, okay. Um, and a couple other things. What are you hoping to see? And, again, I came on late, so I don't know if you already answered this question. What are you hoping to see from Thursday's game? Uh, I'm hoping to see the offense get better as the game goes on. I wouldn't be surprised if they struggle a little bit early in the game, uh, just getting their timing and getting into a rhythm and, and just really getting a, a game feel for what they're doing. But I, I, I really want to see the offense make, make, make a big statement this week because I think that they're going to be needed very badly in week two at Louisville. And um, I, I think it's going to be a lot easier to take on that challenge if they have a good, good opening night. Um, and a couple other things. What's going to happen? I know pretty much 2020 is like a redshirt year for everyone. How is that going to affect like scholarships? Because doesn't the NCA have like a 95 scholarship limit or something? The, the limit's 85, but 85, they're sorry. obviously going to have to, you know, give give schools the option of increasing that. I don't know if they'll put a cap on it or not. Um, to me, a bigger issue is not that that's going to happen because it will. Uh, to me, the bigger issue is are schools going to be able to afford an extra 20 scholarships? You know, uh, you talk about 20 guys, if yeah. each scholarship costs you, you know, $80,000 by the time you're done with everything, for example, um, mm -hmm. you know, you know what that, what's that 1.6 million in expense to, to carry yeah. those extra guys? You know, I mean, coming off a COVID-19 year where you're taking major hits to your budget. Uh, so to me, that's the biggest issue of the whole thing. And I would say it's no, a moving okay. target. I don't, I don't think guys just blanket would be allowed to, to do it. I, I, I think it's going to be up to the head coaches to selectively determine um, how pivotal, pivotal of a performer those individuals are on the team. If somebody's a starter or even a backup, 
I would say they would probably be welcome back for that extra year. If they're not, I don't think they would. Yeah. Uh, okay. And a couple other um, recruiting questions. Um, what's the deal with the – I know we got Chase Smith, and he's going to play linebacker, if I'm not mistaken, if he sticks. Um, what about this kid? One of the earlier callers was talking about corner recruits. One, do you think Miami is still in it with Jason Marshall despite his commitment to Florida? And, uh, I and do. Also, what about this brown kid out of IMG? I know yeah, I, I think, Osbridge. Yep. Ahead, uh, he's sorry. still on the board also, I think. Um, and I don't think it's over with Jason Marshall. I wouldn't predict that he's going to flip back, but I just, I don't think, the, I don't think it's over. I, I, I don't think they'll stop recruiting him um, until the very end, because I know they felt okay. pretty strongly that they were going to get him at one point. So. Okay. And also um, with Jake Garcia, I know USC has Miller Moss as well. Is my? Do you think that there's any chance that Garcia flips to Miami, or that Miami will stop recruiting him, or what's the deal with that situation? Because I know he moved from California to Georgia for high school football. I, you know, I I don't think he's going to flip. I think he's pretty locked into USC, and you got to remember, he doesn't really have to worry about it because if if you're Jake Garcia and you go to USC and you get beat out by Miller Moss after a year or two years, you just transfer. Yeah. That's you like, like, yeah, there's no, like, there's no pressure on those situations anymore. You don't have to run away from competition. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and Especially quarterbacks. Well, the quarterbacks are transferring yeah. all the time now. Okay. And, uh, the last question, what about the Miami Central duo of Amari Daniels and Euclid Brown? Is Miami on them? Because I heard they're on, they're off, they're on, they're off. I think they're what, more on Daniels. Is, I think they're more on Daniels. And, you know, the numbers are getting tight. Um, but a lot of question as to whether they'll get Daniels. So we'll see. Okay. And they're not on M. Brown at all, or – What's your uh, it, it, the last we heard, it, it, it was not that intensive. I mean, I think they're staying in touch, but uh, I don't think that, you know, that, that he's a priority right now. Okay. Well, thanks for taking my call, Gary. Have a great rest of the show. All right, Adam. Thank you, as always, for being part of it. Thank you. Let's go to the 865. You are live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. It's James from Tennessee. How you doing, buddy? Hey, what's up, James? How you doing tonight? Oh, doing great, man. I'm just glad you're having your shows again, man, and we can kind of get to somewhat back to normal. You know what it is? I, I, I remember last year you and me talking, and uh, I, I have to take my uh, – I, I didn't get a chance to call in in December, but I want to take my lumps from everything. I was wrong about the Duke thing. I know I challenged him last year, and he said that we would lose to Duke. I thought he was crazy, so I'm taking my lumps. I finally had the who's, chance to call in and who, do it. So who, who told you that? Who 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 are you saying told you that? Everything, everything when he called in. Oh, everything three oh five. Yeah, yeah. You remember he called in? He was like, "Oh, we're gonna lose to Duke or what have you." And I, I called in. I was like the guy right after him, and I said, "He's crazy. We're not gonna lose to Duke. I mean, we're doing great yeah. right now." And then the rest of the season happened pretty much. So I'm here to take my lumps that I was wrong and everything was right. So the thing, I'm, I'm hoping that we're a little bit better this year, obviously, but uh, that's, that's, I'm just here to take my medicine at this point and, you know, go from there. A um, couple of things I wanted to touch on Gary, and I think you've really brought a lot of good points to the show tonight. Uh, 
Um, what, what do you think, in your opinion, has to change in the culture of this program that we don't lose guys early to the NFL that have no business going to the NFL early? I mean, I'm looking at the roster up and down like you have stated. And the thing is, is that other than Brevin Jordan, I don't think anybody, unless they have some stellar year or, or win some awards, I don't even know how that's going to work this year with some conferences participating and some not. But realistically, other than Brevin Jordan, who else really does even need to look at the NFL that's not a senior that's lost their eligibility, so to speak? Yeah, I agree with you. What's it going to take? I think success. Uh, you know, I, I think it's easy to make decisions to leave when you're going seven and six and six and seven or eight, eight and four, and you're not really playing for anything. There's no hope that it's going to get better. You know, I, I think it's it, I think it, it's very easy to make those decisions to bolt. And um, I, I think that maybe more success would be a good start. And, then, you know, maybe that would inspire guys to want to be here longer. And then I think when that happens, I think the University of Miami is going to have to step up and get more aggressive buying kids insurance policies. And, um, you know, maybe maybe you start doing that for a kid in his sophomore year and not just his junior year or senior year. You know, maybe you get you 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 get more aggressive in protecting your better players and giving them the security um, that if they are on the fringe, that they don't have to make that decision to go and, and, and subject themselves to a bad decision. So there's a lot of little things that I think can happen. Um, but I think it's going to start with success. I think the program's got to get back to being successful again. I, I agree. No, I, I think that, that you hit it right on the head with those points. And, and, and that's the thing. Uh, I think there were two callers ago. He, he said that what if Miami has a, a stellar year and, you know, we lose these guys. I mean, what about the pride about maybe we all stick together, come back and win the damn thing the next year? You know what I mean? I mean, they're, they're, where's that at? I mean, the, those, I mean th- that's the thing that kind of – It's non-existent right now. So. It, it, it's yeah. non-existent exactly yeah. and 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 something's got to be there with the pride because you know i mean i know at the end of the day these kids you know they've got their opportunity to show out show that show what they're made of you know their chance to make millions in the nfl if they get that far you know but th- that that opportunity but, comes not for everybody and so forth so but, but picture yourself time, picture yourself as an advisor to greg Rousseau. You know, when he made the decision a month, a month ago to not come back, you're sitting there saying, Greg, you guys went six and seven last year. OK, what are you playing for? You know, to win eight games, you know, maybe you don't even know if you're going to be able to play a full season with this COVID-19. You're going to expose yourself to, to COVID-19 every single day. You don't know what what type of health uh, repercussions there could be if you get it totally unknown virus um, you've got a your future ahead of you you're going to make millions on top of millions of dollars next April you know you're going to get drafted high there is zero point to you going back to play this year it's an easy it's an easy advice it, it, it's oh, like I wish I could get paid money to give that kind of advice it, it wasn't even difficult you know what I'm saying 
Exactly, exactly. Well, with Rousseau, that's a different story because that guy was an animal, and look at his measurables. I mean, the guy looks like, you know, first-round talent, so I understand that. I think I'm talking more along the lines of the guys like Bandy, and let me tell you something. You guys nailed it on the head with Garvin. I mean, I never saw a more pathetic season last year than him, and, and it started pathetic. right at the Florida Gator game and on. It was absolutely atrocious, and that was atrocious. supposed to be your guy that was supposed to be your defensive, your stud, you know, and, uh, and it really almost showed that maybe because everybody was uh, tagging up on Joe Jackson the year before, maybe that's why he feasted. But when it was his time, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. But he, it showed that he didn't put in uh, the work. And and Trayvon Hill, I even forgot about that guy. I didn't even realize he was on the Miami Hurricanes. I still thought that was a hokey in disguise, to be honest with you. I mean, the way he played last year. So, um, but, uh, but I'm looking at the, uh, speaking of the defensive front, I, and, you, and I'm glad you touched on everything when you were asked a few calls back, where do we need to improve? I agree with you wholeheartedly, everywhere everywhere and I think it starts up front with the defensive tackles because I'll tell you what Gary it scares me to death that we don't have anything in my I mean I, I know that the coaching staff was a little high on Holly and Harrison Hunt and those guys they're still young I mean they're still young we, all we did was see them dancing on the sidelines last year not I only mean, are they still young on the, but but, but yeah. you know what bothers me seriously what's that sir yeah that none of them beat out John none. Ford and Silvera that, that's that's what but I'm talking about. That, that tells yeah. me that that, that that we're not taking this big step forward. No, no, absolutely not. And you mean I want to start seeing some of these young guys defensive. beat out the older guys that are average players. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you, you know, you look at that. I mean, I mean, and, and what about Nessa Silvera? I mean, has, has he shown improvement? I mean, can he stay healthy? All they I kept hearing has. about was all he's got is a, is a bull rush, and he doesn't have any yeah. slim moves or anything like that. I mean, I know X's and O's, and I know strategy and athleticism. And the thing is, is the guy was holding a Chucky doll on recruiting day, and I haven't seen Jack from him in, in a couple of years. So I'm hoping he no, steps that, up. No, no, now it's, your, it's year three now already. It's year three. It's year three. It's year three. Yeah, and, you know, I, that's the other thing. I mean, I'll talk positively about the defense, which I believe has talent. It's not elite like you. It's, I agree with you a thousand percent with that. And it's definitely unproven. But at the same time, you got guys. Uh, the thing that made me feel good is you look at the two deep. And for the most part, everybody is either a third or second year player in the program. And we're not using true freshmen anymore, which is a which is a breath of fresh air. But we need to keep going that route where I'd like to see guys that are playing in their fourth and third year. I know it's a little bit harder with the fourth year with guys jumping to the league early and so forth that have no business doing so, but it's nice to see that guys that at least know the scheme, because whether it's Diaz or Blake Baker, the truth of the matter is the same defensive coaches have been there with the exception of the defensive line that's changed. Everybody else should know what they need to do. It's just about executing it on the field. And let me throw this out there too. How big would it have been to have a Bradley Jennings or even Wayne Minsteed in that Georgia Tech game last year when you're rolling out a walk-on like Ragone? I mean, I'm just yep. throwing that out there. I mean, right. you know, and I, th I think somebody really needs – I'm happy as hell for Steed because the way that they talked about that injury, I'm surprised he's even out there at this point, you know, and, uh, and Jennings. And, and what's the deal with Patrick Joyner? I mean, they keep flipping him from defensive end and linebacker. Is he actually going to contribute, or is he just another guy at this point that looks like an Adonis I, I think it's not going to do anything? I think it's obvious he's just yeah. another guy, and I, and I think guy. that they're trying to find a home for him, you know. Yeah, but I if agree. he weren't no, no, if he weren't just another guy, he'd be further along too. This is his third year, also. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I know that the defensive ends, I'm excited to watch them and so forth. It's just the defensive tackles scare me, and it all starts up front. And you're right. There's going to be a team that's going to challenge you right up the middle. See, let's see what they got. If our linebackers are out of position, then you're you know dealing with the secondary and so forth. I just really think that it's really up to Ford. Miller, I haven't even mentioned him, and Silvera, and and can they show that they can hold up for, you know, however many games we are able to play with this pandemic going on and so forth. That's the thing, because they've not shown they can play a full allotment of even 12 games, let alone 10 at this yeah. point. So, you know, that's, that, that, those are my concerns with the defensive uh, side of the ball, with the, with the addition of the fact of the depth you know, at, at, at certain positions. And, and, you know, I, I know that a lot of people, look, I've been guilty of it. I've tried to buy in every year and think, oh, we go 12-0. and 0. I'd love it. But realistically, you look at our roster, we are deficient in so many different areas. Defensive back, you've touched on that for a couple of years now. And the thing is, is that if injuries or even this, this, this COVID even get in the way, I mean, you could be starting those two true freshmen out there that I'm sure is going to be uh, okay someday, but they're not ready for big-time football, especially when you go up against against the receivers they're going to see in, in possibly week two or even week four against Clemson. I mean, granted, they lost Justin Ross, but you're right. They got Frankie Ladson there from Miami, who should have been a cane, but he went to Clemson. I mean, they, they got they, they got ships stacked over there at Clemson. That's what they do. And I'll tell you, the, the three games that I think – I mean, they're all important, but for recruiting purposes, especially in South Florida, th- this week we've got a show. We've got the whole media watching Thursday night, 8 o'clock. You got the country watching, but the thing that really they need to show is against Louisville because Louisville's gone down there and poached good guys under different regimes from Miami and so forth. So that's a recruiting game right there. Maybe not this season, but down the line, you got Florida state obvious situation and Clemson has gone down there and gotten whoever they've wanted. And rightly so because of look what they've done, but I'd like to see, I'm not saying we're going to beat Clemson, but I want to see where we're at in the barometer because we've done Jack crap against them the last two times and been frankly embarrassed and walked off the field each Jack, time. Jack, right. Yeah, so. Jack crap is an under is an understatement. I mean, he's gotten blown out. Yeah. Blown yeah, out. So blown out i mean i'm trying just in case it's a friendly audience i'm just i mean it, it was it was bullshit i mean we got absolutely destroyed <laughs> but but you know i mean i'm just being i'm just trying to be real i mean because i'd love to just really show out there but it's it, it's not the, the thing but talk about the offensive side real quick um i don't know if you touched on it gary because like others i was watching the heat game what's the deal with jeremiah payton because we redshirted him last year I, I i've heard things that he was supposed to be the next thing um i don't see it on the wide receiver i mean you know you got guys with stars you've they've been inconsistent um harley's been here four years i'm still waiting for something of that to, to kind of materialize if it ever does at this point but you know the ones that i'm excited about the most were pope and peyton and can we count on them this year especially with a weapon like the eric king and if the o-line can give him time to throw what's your thoughts gary I don't have them. I mean, I'm I'm like you. I got to see something. I I haven't seen a thing from either one of those guys yet. So, you know, until I do, uh, you know, I'm not gonna start throwing out superlatives. I mean, like like so many guys on this team, they they, they got to show something. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, a couple more things, Gary, real quick, because I know we've got other callers to, to get in there. The thing that I'm looking forward to on Thursday is obviously we win because that'd be nice. We've lost three in a row, and we've lost three in a row to three teams that were superiorly less talented than us, 
and yet they dominated us in all three games. I mean, even look at the score at the FIU men from, from the first half to the end of the game. That was just absolutely atrocious, just disgusting to lose the way we did uh, where the Orange Bowl once stood. But I'm, I'm not going to bring up old crap. But all I'm saying is, is that – I've got to see something. Um, you know, I, I love the enthusiasm of, of guys like Gary and, and everyone like that, that, you know, the, the Canes of old and so forth like that. But they got to show me something. Like I said, I've bought in every year. This year I've lowered my expectations so that way I can be pleasantly surprised. I'm tired of being disappointed. I'm not saying 10-0, and 0, but what I'm saying is 8-2, and 2, maybe 9-1. and 1 realistically with an outside shot of maybe playing Clemson a second time if Notre Dame screws up along the way. You know, I mean, I'm just saying that I would like that opportunity to even be there just to get as much chances if we can even get to game eight, nine or ten with the COVID in the background. But the thing that I want to see Thursday night is them not only win, but maybe cover the damn spread. I'd like to see, like you said, you touched on it. Great. How about four quarters of football? None of this. We start off slow or we, we go, we, you know, get going. The offense gets better as the game goes along. I think that's an excellent point that you've made because we've not seen that in quite a while uh the other thing too is i know it's going to be sloppy these kids didn't have a spring and you know there's not really anybody they can really scrimmage except for themselves it's going to be a little bit sloppy but the one thing is i'm willing to give a pass for game one but you can't be having the same damn mistakes um in game nine or eight or ten uh, that you have as game one. I mean, I want to see more discipline. I want to see that coaching staff look competent and not know that they're sending 10 guys out on a punt return and somebody not get covered running down the sideline, scoring a touchdown or something of that nature, you know, and that's what we saw. I'd like to see our offensive line get a push on third and two and third and three and us not have to just settle for, you know, um, Oh, get the punt team ready. I mean, I want to extend drives and I want to see uh, our kicker actually put the damn ball through the uprights instead of missing wide left and wide right. That's Florida State's kickers, not ours. So, I mean, that's, I don't think that's too much to ask. That's fundamental football. It's just simple things that have been missing from this program for the past three or four regimes at this point. That's, that's what I want to see more than anything. All right, man. Well, you got, you got a good list, so let's see what happens Thursday night and give us a call next Tuesday. Absolutely, Gary. Thank you for everything you do, brother. Love the show. On hold. All right, man. Thanks for being part of it. All right, 563-999-3550. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let me attack a couple of these uh, topics that were submitted on the message boards at canesport.com. Do you agree that we have all the pieces in place to have a great season? Well, you know, we, we've talked a lot about that tonight. Um, actually, I think it was two callers ago where I kind of went through, you know, some of the things that are variables in all this. I, you know, I'm still concerned about left tackle. I got to see it at left guard. Who's the difference maker at wide receiver? I'm still concerned about defensive tackle like we just talked about on that previous call. Um, we got to see Bradley Jennings live up to the hype at middle linebacker and prove that he is worthy of being out there as a starter. I'm still concerned about cornerbacks. So, the, you know, there's a lot of questions to be answered by this football team. And, and I think a lot of them will be answered over the next three, four weeks. Um, they're going to have to come out of the gate strong. And that's a lot to ask when you don't have a spring practice and just uh, four weeks of training camp and you're putting in a new offense. You got new coaches that got to get accustomed to working together, which is a bigger deal than a lot of people give credit for or even think about. You know, when you're in close football games, like so many of these games in the ACC are, the coaches and the adjustments they're able to make, 
the things that they're able to see can tip the scales one way or the other in some of those games. So these are all variables that are going to be, you know, part of this season. And uh, we'll see how that shakes out. What is the uh, Eric King's best attribute? You know, I mean, obviously, Eric King, we know he's a great athlete. We know he can run around and do things. There's a lot of hope that he's going to be a, a franchise quarterback, so to speak, this year from a physical standpoint. But I'm going to say leadership. And, um, you know, I can't describe what I've seen that that kid has meant to this program and that team in that regard in every single way. I mean, he came in, immediately emerged as a leader on this team, a guy that all the kids look up to, both offense and defense. You see him even spending time on the defensive side in practice and things like that. I mean, this kid is the true definition of a leader. So before we see him take a single snap, make a single throw, you know, run, scramble for a touchdown or anything like that, I'm going to say his best attribute is his character and his leadership. And he has already made a major mark on this program in those two regards. Is Quincy Roche going to live up to the preseason hype? You know, it's not going to be easy. Uh, you know, is he going to have 15 plus sacks like Greg Rousseau probably would have? You know, I'm not sure about that. You know, it's it's not going to be easy to live up to the hype of what people are expecting from him. But it's going to be fun to watch him try. And um, we'll see what happens starting Thursday night. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. And um, let's go out now to the 386. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, how we doing? Doing great. Who's this? My name is Willie. Hey, what's up, Willie? On a, on a... All right, I want to touch on a couple of things real quick. I uh, would like to get your opinion on something. Uh, me and a good friend of mine, we are both big-time Hurricane fans, and I would like for you to settle a dispute. I say based on what they did at Miami, based on what they did at Miami, Bubba McDowell is in the same category with Sean Taylor and Ed Reed. What you think? You're not serious. You're saying this or your buddy's saying this? I'm saying it. Based no. on what they did at Miami. No, I hope, I, hope you didn't, I hope you didn't put too much money on that one. No, but <laughs> Bubba McDowell was a nice player, but he is not anywhere close to the category of Ed Reed and Sean Taylor. I guess we would have to put Benny Blades in there, too. So, Benny was. But, 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 Benny was in that it was in that it would would be in that conversation, but not Bubba. Bubba had a nice career though. Okay. Uh, the other thing is, I, I just want to touch on one or two other things. I didn't catch the whole show. We uh, I, one position I'm concerned about is the receiver position. Is there a true freshman of the four that came in that you think that may be able to help us this year? Uh, I, I think it'll depend on how you want to define help. Uh, I think they'll play. Uh, you know, I think Michael Redding, probably physically ready, a little, maybe a little bit more than, than, than a couple of the other young kids. I mean, he's a 202-pound, um, you know, well, well-built kid. Um, you know, I, I think that Restrepo is, is just a flat baller. Uh, you know, I think he can contribute. He's got to work on his blocking a little bit, but, you know, I think he could contribute. Um, you know, Keyshawn Smith, Dazzlin Worsham, 
you know, they might get out there a little bit. I, I think if you're expecting them to impact the season, I, I think that's asking a lot. But, you know, like I said earlier, I'm not sure we got a, a front-line receiver. You know, we'll find out because they're going to throw the ball around quite a bit. But I'm not sure we got a front-line receiver. We'll see. And the last thing I want to say is, is that Miami, you look at their 2D depth chart, 85% of those guys could have gone anywhere in the nation. That every, everyone wanted these guys. I'm going out on a limb and say Miami win every game this year except the Clemson game, and they will give Clemson a run for their money. I just got a feeling about this team. I think this team is going to surprise people, come out of nowhere, and I really and truly feel like I, I really and truly feel like they are going to shock the world and make a run at this thing. I, I really feel that way. Miami has what, what do you call a run at this thing? What do you, where, what are you defining as a run at this thing? Are you mean a run at the ACC? I, I, I or a run, or a run, or a run at the national championship? Like, what are you referring to? Well, like I said, I think they'll win every regular season game except Clemson, and they will give Clemson a run for their money. Miami have talent. They you know what? If that, if that happens, Manny, Manny Diaz might be national coach of the year. Just so you know, there's no they, they, he would deserve it. If they if they do that, if they go if they go ten and one, you know that'd be pretty damn impressive. I think it's doable. I think it's doable. Right, I really we'll see. Do. We'll see. Right now, I just want to see him get past Louisville and Florida State, and and have a good performance Thursday night, and then we'll worry about the rest after that. All right, buddy, my friend. We'll talk with you later. All right, man. Thank you for being part of the show. Let's go out to the 904. You're live on Kane Sport Live. 904, you with us? Oh, yeah. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, that's you, man. Who's this? Yeah, what's going on, man? It's Antoine from Jacksonville, man. How you doing? Hey, what's up, Antoine? Try to speak up a little bit into your phone. Okay, man. Listen, man. There you, there you go. You been, y'all, been, y'all, y'all been saying a whole lot of stuff that's been on this uh, podcast, man. And y'all, it's, there are some things that, that you and I think most of the callers, I think y'all missed. Now, you did say that Derek King is a a much is a leader. Big big Remember time leader. Okay. All right. Let's go back to last year. Let's, let's, go, let's roll back the clock. Okay. We lost to Florida. And we lost by how many points? Four. All right. So we so we lost to Florida by four points. How many games did we lose that season by less than a touchdown? Um, I want to say four. Okay. All right. Now, here's the thing. You can't undervalue the presence or the importance of a quarterback. That's not even a thing you can do as far as football. No, not at all. I agree. If, Okay. Or a, or, a, or a kicker. Or a kicker. Let's add kicker to the list. And, and, and now you see what I'm saying. Okay. So you watch the team who could have basically won every football game they played last and they had a horrible kicker and a quarterback who didn't know what the you-know-what was going on on the field at the time. He would have guys I can't stand to know. But you know what? You know, they did right the game. He blamed Jerry, and I, I blame the 
on Thursday. You're breaking up on us. But I think I, I but I think you said you're not blaming Dan Enos, and you know I, I think that's a legitimate point. And and I and I and I said earlier in the show that you know I, I can't sit here and say that Rhett Lashley has better plays than Dan Enos, or but you know but you know the, the, you know offenses are offenses, they're different, you know whatever. Um, the performance has to be better. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But what I, what I was saying was I can't blame Dan Enos for. I, I can blame Daniels for a seven-step drop on third and 15 with a play action. I can't blame him for that. I can't blame him for Jaron Williams not letting the ball go when people are wide open. I can't blame him for that because there were so many times that I watched and guys were wide open, and he would just wouldn't throw the ball. He would literally hold the ball, and after he held the ball, he would take a sack. What does a sack do to a drive, Gary? Tell me what a sack does to a drive. Kills it. It kills it. Okay. So he taking taking sack on on five or six plays in the Florida game, and I'm like, he could have threw the ball away. He could have. Okay. Now, the same quarterback put in De'Aaron King in them same positions this year, it, last year. How many times do you think he would have took an unnecessary sack? Think about it now. Let me stop you. Let me stop you real quick. Okay. I, okay. I don't know what the exact number is, but I, I believe it's 12. In four games in Houston last year, I believe King was sacked 12 times. So the fact that he's a mobile quarterback by itself and can run around is not a guarantee of, of, of anything. I mean, we, we hope that the O-line's better this year, but if they're not it doesn't mean he's not going to get sacked just because he's fast and can run. See what I'm saying? You're right. But this is what I'll tell you. I've watched a lot of football, Gary. I've been watching football for 30 years. I've never seen a quarterback ever on any level of football take as many unnecessary sacks as Jaron Williams took last year. And I didn't see a game of Houston's schedule. I guarantee you, nobody you've ever seen take that many sacks. And you're like, why is he not letting the ball go? You, you're watching the game and you're saying it. Okay, that's one thing we, we didn't talk about. I think that, that's good for at least three or four games. Okay. Here's another thing I don't – I like our coaching staff, but they do things and it makes me wonder sometimes. Our coaching staff does not like to play players who may be a little more talented if they're younger than see, we have a lot of seniority on our team, and I don't, I don't necessarily like it. We're talking about mm-hmm. Nessa Silvera and John Forward. What I saw last year was, and a lot of people listening to this podcast, what I saw was every time Jordan Miller got in the game, he flashed. He was the best defensive tackle I saw, but he can't be out Nessa Silvera. Sometimes I wonder if there's some. Some some stuff that goes on that sometimes the best player is not playing. I watched Demar Carter last year get burnt time after time again on that touchdown that we blaming Gilbert Bryson for uh, the big pass against Florida. We blame him, but Amari Carter was standing on the wrong hash, guarding nothing, and he should have been there. And he's not fast enough to be the high safety in deep coverage. See, we see things that we blame people for what's going on, but we don't say, well, why was Amari Carter on the wrong hash and he's slow trying to get to the other hash on a deep throw? 
Can you explain that to me? Think about it. Yeah. No, I mean, he wasn't when, you, when you go six and seven at Miami, a lot goes wrong. Yeah. So what I'm saying to you is a lot of times I, I, I said it last year and I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it to the end of time. I like Scott Patchen. He's a good player. There was no reason in any point in any game that he should have started. I don't care if Greg Rousseau was coming off an injury. I don't care. There's no way that guy should have took more snaps in the Florida game than, than Greg Rousseau. Here's the thing. We watched all those plays. That game was one play away from went going either way. If Miami made one more play, we win the football game. Do you think Greg Rousseau with more snaps in that game could have made one play? I think he could. I'm not sure he was healthy. I'm not sure he was healthy that early (laughs) in the season. As as soon as he got in the game, he flushed Felipe Franks and almost sacked him. As soon as it happened, go back and watch the tape. If you go back and watch that game, as soon as he got in the game, Felipe Franks was running for his life. He got away, but as soon as he got in the game, he almost sacked Franks on the first couple of plays he was in there. Patchen never got close. We do this like we're seeing with the linebackers. We, I, I, I like I like Jennings, and I feel he might be probably a good player. Telling you, when you see them on the field, you're like, oh, okay, that's what a, a Miami – that's the kind of speed a Miami linebacker is supposed to have. I, then we moved – okay, and another caller said this. We, we moved players from one position to another position, then back to another position, and it's like, well, we're talking about Joyner. You were talking about Joyner earlier. And I said, you know, we did that with the guy Derek Smith from Jacksonville. We did that with him. We moved him from safety when he was looking good. We moved him to striker. He didn't look as good. Uh, Finley beat him out. Then we tried to move him back to safety. He was a better safety, I felt like, than Amari Carter the whole time. But we kept moving him back and forth and left Amari Carter at safety. There are a lot of personnel decisions that go on on this team that if you watch the team, you're like, well, well wait a minute. Why, why would we do this? Because our, our, you can say what you want to say about Manny. He, they do value seniority sometimes over actual talent. And I see it. I see it all the time. As soon as Bubba Bolton got in, the, as soon as Bubba Bolton got in, the, he was hurt. As soon as he started playing, why did our defense secondary start looking better? Why? Because he's mm-hmm. actually a rangy ball hawking safety that you need back there, not a guy who can barely, he, who's bad in space. I need you to understand, man. We're gonna win a lot of games this year. I think I think we're gonna win all our games, and we, and like the caller before said, we're gonna give Clemson a run for their money. If Derrick King is half of what we think he is, half, we're going to beat everybody on our schedule. But Clemson mm-hmm. is going to be the problem. But I think we're going to go 10-1, and one, and that's going to be our season. That's what I think will happen. That's how I see it. All right. We'll tell you. I don't think any of us won't take okay. that. Okay. All right, man. I ain't going to hold you up. I'm going to let you go on back to your call. Y'all have a good night. All right, man. Give us a call next week. Okay. All right, guys, I had a chance to ask um, Manny Diaz the other day about the different challenges that he's facing this year as a head coach with all the unusual things going on, no spring practice, the coronavirus. Um, let me hear Let me let you uh, hear what he said. It's been such an unusual offseason in so many ways, obviously. How much angst are you going through as a head coach that you've covered all the bases going into a season and – um, all the different scenarios that could possibly come into play, and how much longer is that list 
than it would normally be four days before the season opener? <laughs> well, I mean, you're always going to have your, um, you know, your checklist before a season opener, you know, and, and, and you, all the situations to make sure you've hit all the, the things that can come up in a game to make sure that you're prepared. And that's, you know, that's kind of the easy part because that doesn't change too much year to year. Um, but I mean, even to this day, Gary, I mean, you're still, we're still working out things just in the, in the COVID world of, you know, how we travel on a bus and just how we do this and how we do that. I mean, I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're solving all of these problems in real time um, and will be throughout the year because one thing, again, we've learned in 2020 is the situation is always evolving. It's always changing. Um, so, but you know, you can't run from it. You know, I, it doesn't, I don't think it creates stress. It's just, it's just the, it's the, 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 the normalcy of, of constantly evolving as we learn more and more um, about the way things are now. All right, so uh, that was Manny Diaz, and yeah, I mean, it's just, I just find it really interesting, you know, what these coaches are going through and, you know, all the different things that they've had to deal with this offseason, and I give him a ton of credit, and he's had a great offseason, and, you know, all we can hope now is that it, it, it translates itself to the football field starting Thursday night. Let's go out to the, um, let's go to the 904. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Oh, you know what? I already had. I already. I already went there. Let's go to the uh, the seven seven zero. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hello. Yes, sir. That's you. Hey, Gary. What's Who's... up, man? Royal. Hey, what's up, Royal? How you been, man? What you got for us? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Hey, uh, you said something very interesting earlier. I've never heard this before. You said something about explain what you meant by the uh, insurance policy. I, I guess some kind of way to uh, an incentive to get our kids to stay. Or well, am, am I right? Or what are you saying? Schools, schools are allowed to buy insurance for their players um, to protect them against career-ending injuries. And um, hmm. you know, different schools, depending on budgets and things like that, are more aggressive with that. I mean, I think it's you know, like you know, like a, a, I, I got to believe Miami would have done that this year for like a Greg Rousseau. Maybe they're doing it for a Brevin Jordan. I don't know if they are or not, but right. You know, I I think that it's an issue, and and I think that if you if you have the opportunity to be aggressive with a kid, even if he's just going into his second or third year, that's clearly going to be a superstar or a first or second round right. draft pick. That when if you start protecting them when they're when they're younger, I I think a it's the right thing to do. Um, and B, well, it's it, it's a statement to your kids that you're protecting your players, and 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 you know, so absolutely. like I'm not commenting on what Miami does or doesn't do in that regard because I don't have working knowledge of that. Um, but and it's definitely it's a budgetary thing. I mean, that that kind of insurance is expensive, extremely expensive. I mean, you're insuring a kid against millions of dollars of earnings. You know that that's right. not a cheap premium. It's not a cheap premium. Yeah, you know, it might cost you. Okay, let me ask you something. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Been doing this with that. Wait, I, I can't. I, you, I you're breaking up. I'm not hearing you. Can you hear me now? I can. Yep. I said. We 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 lost you again. 
I'll tell you what, I, we can't hear you. We lost you. Um, give us a call back next Tuesday, and we can, you know, continue this conversation. And um, but yeah, that's that, that that's that's what I was commenting on in in that scenario. All right, guys, that's going to be it for tonight. Um, I want to thank Bryant McKinney for joining us earlier. Thought that was a great segment. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. A lot of good calls. A lot of animated conversation. We finally get to comment again on actual football. The Canes open up Thursday night, 8 o'clock, UAB. Not sure how many fans are going to be there. Last I heard, take their, even though there's a 13,000 capacity, there still are some tickets remaining. Um, so we'll see how that evolves, and we'll see what kind of team the Canes bring to the stadium on Thursday night. And we will be back next Tuesday to talk about it here on Canes Sport Live. So for now, I'm going to say good night, everybody.